Shane, uh, what yeah. uh, how was how was the how was the uh, start of your day going? How are you doing? My day, well, my day was mostly spent working. <laughs> I did I did treat myself to some cold brew. You're mentioning coffee. Um, does cold brew make you that. shake? Like some people, it like makes them all jittery. It, it, it does. Is it, do you like it? I, you know, it depends on how many conversations I plan on having through the day. Sometimes I need. Uh, <laughs> Good thing we're not planning little... on having a conversation right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's a good day. Mostly just spent working. I had a like an hour long conversation about two seconds of animation <laughs> today related to American Dad. That was uh, it's typically how it goes. You know, you have these long, drawn-out conversations about the intricacies of something that only lasts on the screen for a moment. Damn, motion nerds. That's crazy. Yeah, that's l- it. truly, it's truly, it. yeah. It was like, it was about, I mean, I can't, obviously I can't say much about the Classified. context of the episode. This is like some government secrets. <laughs> it, well, it's, it's, just, it's just American Dad. It just hasn't aired yet. But it was mostly just about a character walking backwards and how the steps weren't quite heel to toe and didn't line up with the upper body performance of the dialogue. And like how to approach, you know, getting that all in sync and have it be truly animatable. Wow. That's like, I feel like that's the kind of stuff as like board artists, like we don't really think about that stuff a ton. Like I, I know for me, I'm just kind of like, I'll just draw the pictures and that. I'll ca- we sort of time it-ish in an animated kind of, in an animatic kind of format, but I've never really thought like. What kind of problems are we setting you guys up yeah. for? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. after, well, after we do what we do. It is kind of actually, interestingly, like walking and talking is kind of like a big issue for a lot of people because yeah. they'll start with the upper body acting. They'll take a line of dialogue. They'll break it down into like my my theory is every time there's a change of idea, there should be a change of shape. So in a single line of dialogue, whether it's like a prepositional phrase or a clause, it almost always deserves a change of shape. Anytime you're changing the subject, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it deserves something. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of board artists will go through and they will do the upper body acting of a, of a line of dialogue. And then they'll try to plot the steps going forward. But what they'll end up accidentally doing is they'll just kind of plot step by step by step. So even if they think the steps work the upper body acting no longer works because then you're having a character walk on 60 frame steps in order to hit those acting poses for the upper body. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that's yeah. why uh, you cut closer to your character so you don't have to animate the legs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know. on personal projects, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing, I don't it's know. Very... I, come from, I come from yeah. like a super like economical type of background because in France there's like um there's no timers in France because right yeah because it's just like everything's done overseas like all the timing's done overseas so yeah we uh we definitely have to think the almost UPA type of storyboard <laughs> yeah because it's very like eh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it can get pretty yeah, I mean it can get down to like whether something's on ones or twos. If you have a background panning on ones but a character walking on twos, you're going to get some jitter and so it's Yeah. You know, with any kind of camera movement. So it's like which I I think it looks cool sometimes, but depending on the style of the show, mm. you need to be aware of of all that craziness. That's really I I think that's really cool. So you you've been how long have you been working in animation by now? Because you've you've had a couple of shows under your belt. Yeah, well, I've worked on probably five shows, I think. I've been 
in the industry for about seven years. Mm. I'm on my sixth. I'm on my sixth season of American Dad, which seems crazy to me because I remember, like, Whoa. I kind of grew up watching it, and now I like I've been on the show for like a third of its existence. It's like, oh my god, that's so crazy. Has it changed right. your viewing experience of the show? <laughs> yes, yes. Watching it is now work. It is like, it's oh man, uh, yeah. It's been crazy. And what's interesting is that only a few years of it was in-house because then COVID happened and then everything was has been remote, pretty much remote ever since. Mm. So it's like the bulk of my animation experience is becoming remote as time goes on. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> I feel like because uh, I think I worked. How long have you worked in animation, Sean, before the industry, before the pandemic? I won't get a, I've been working in the animation industry since uh, 2013. Mm -hmm. So quite a, quite a bit before the pandemic happened. Uh, I mean, yeah, the pandemic still changed everything regardless. Of, I mean, like, it, it's kind of like a new industry. Now. Yeah. It's, it's different. It's so much different than it used I to feel, be. I feel bad. Like, people asking for advice. I'm like, I don't really, I don't have advice for how to break in anymore because mine was so circumstantial and based on human contact it's like... yeah yeah it used to be like oh i just walk right up to titmouse and i asked if i can get a tour and i just signed up i camp out in front of the the building and so they let me in and they give me an internship right on the spot but now if you run up they'll spray mm. you with bear mace yeah i think yeah especially without a mask i i cheated a little bit because i know how you got into the animation industry shane because i listened to your mm. um little video on your kickstarter um which i thought was really really cool actually oh. the reason why i got oh. really excited about getting you on the podcast is because i listened to your intro video on your kickstarter and i was like this is so cool this is such an interesting path into animation i have never heard anyone from our generation because you know i feel like our generation right. is a lot of like oh i posted on social media and eventually i got a job yeah. but for you it's like so different and i like i i kind of want you to kind of like give us how you because the video on kickstarter is a little long but like and maybe there's some details that you want to edit out for this version <laughs> but uh i i'd of love course. to for you to like tell us how you got in Hey, welcome to Creative Block, where your hosts be. And I'm Sean. We interview people in the creative industries about their life, work, and hobbies while we doodle jam. We ask people on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube and Patreon. We are we also have a Discord. Um, just check us out on all these platforms. If they had specific topics they wanted us to discuss, as well as some drawing prompts. Today we have with us the timing supervisor on American Dad. Creator of Chew Gum series, Shane Curry. Hi! <laughs> Welcome to the Hi. show. Thanks. Thank you for having me. Of course. So how I came to like know about your uh, your series is because actually you followed me on Twitter and I was like, oh, this is like, I like this little icon. So hey, profile picture goes a long way. I was like, I'm, oh, that's okay. I'm curious about this person. And then I saw you had your Kickstarter pinned and I was like, mm. oh, that's cool. I'm interested to see kind of what that is like. And I, and then I watched the video and I was like, this is so cool. This is such a cool story. And I, I've ever since I watched that video, I was like, that would be a cool thing to get Shane on creative block. And, um, by the way, anyone who's listening right now, um, 
Shane's Kickstarter is still running, so if you want to check it out. Yeah, it won't be by the time the podcast version airs. Yeah, but... it's just right now, yes, yes. but, you know, people are mm -hmm. listening live, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very cool. And as we were, ta we were talking about a little bit earlier how your how you entered animation and how that's a cool story because I'm always kind of like excited to talk to people who have a an unconventional path in animation and so yeah and we were talking about how it was it could have only happened before the pandemic <laughs> yes yeah, you, you essentially ran into someone on your like a lunch break right <laughs> like like that's sort of how it started it's... right it, yes, the, the very truncated version of it was um, I was dating a girl who got a job as a secretary at a law firm at a building that shared a smoking space with like the surrounding buildings. And I would visit her on her lunch break and we would smoke uh, together. I would visit her, but it turned out that one of the other buildings just happened to be Fox Animation. And so all of the other people out there smoking were animators. And I, I had no interest in becoming an animator, really. I was trying to become a songwriter, but mm -hmm. I had been teaching myself animation and animation software for a long time in order to make music videos. And so, yeah, I was hanging out with all of these animators and I was showing them animations that I was working on, not with the intention of trying to like break in or anything, but just purely because I was having fun and I was trying to write songs. And uh, you know, just forming friendships, genuine friendships around that was sort of my my foot in the door. That's so cool. I love that you were, I, I didn't know that you were already working on your own little animation. So I didn't know that you were, you already had that going. Cause I feel like, um yeah, from the video on, on the Kickstarter, I thought you you were just kind of like, you know, shooting the shit and you're like, oh, huh. That, that the conversation sparked the interest, but that was something that was happening already prior to meeting people. Yeah, so when I, as a songwriter, I've always tried to study other forms of medium just to kind of like get them to influence my work. Like I've mm. read every songwriting book imaginable. So then I started writing books on story structure and writing. And I found this lecture of DVD, like these DVDs, these lectures from Richard Williams. Mm -hmm. It was basically the uh, animator's survival kit, uh, these DVD lectures. And there was just something fascinating about it. So even though I wasn't, I had no intention of being an animator, I found these lectures super fascinating. So I would just like watch them on repeat anytime I was bored, you know, something in the background and just kind of soaked that in until I finally was like, well, what if I made a animated music video? And it was specifically the, the, the lip sync that I was doing that drew the attention of one of the animators. And he's like, you know, this is actually, this is a real job in the industry, lip assignment itself is, as well as timing, I could probably teach you well enough to where you could probably earn enough money to survive as an animator. And I was like, holy crap. Yeah, let's do it. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that um, like even though the pandemic is a thing and that the landscape changed, I think one thing that kind of rings true from that experience, even to this one, is that, um you've you put yourself out there and forged either friendships or connections through you know things that you were making whether it's on this sort of smoking break or even just by v you know you followed v and you put your 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 story out there and oh, yeah. um, these genuine sort of relationships form from this thing that you make and you care about and you're genuine about 
That's a really good point. I never really thought about that. Yeah, I think vulnerability is like the first step towards connection for sure. Because if you feel, if you come across as false, then people are going to pick up on it right away. I think that's so true. I feel like, I feel like it's, and it's so hard to be vulnerable to, like in general, like, you know, like, I don't know. Because putting yourself out there, like, obviously you, you, you run the risk of like, you know, rejection, I guess. And that's kind of scary. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think what's cool too is that timing is, you know, like I've all, I've never really, I've, I've only met a timer once, and I think that was at Cartoon mm. Network, and and it was someone from uh, a previous, like a like an older generation. So, yeah, you know, like right. I don't know for there's not there's not many millennial timers. There's more now, but when I started, I was the only one that I had heard of, and I went to like timers union meetings, and I'm looking around, I'm like, oh my gosh. Do I really belong are, here? Like, are, serious are all your friends syndrome. old now? Are all, all your friends my... like really old men? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, some of them are retired. Some of them that like, yeah, some of the people I worked under, <laughs> they're retired. And yeah, it's pretty wild. That's so, that's so, that's, I mean, you know, that's what's so interesting is like our crafts, all of our crafts are so separated in a way because of the pipeline yes. because timing yes. comes in like so late in the pipe in the pipeline right it's like i don't know mm -hmm. if you yeah. do you ever hang out with the crews have you ever been in a situation where you could just kind of like go and talk to board artists well yeah when you're a timing director on a series oh, uh, yeah. if you're in-house if you're in-house you go to the director if you need fixes or if something's wrong because, you know, part of the job of the timing director is to make sure that what is there can actually be animated. You know, there's a lot of times where an animatic can look gorgeous and convey an emotion, but then when you sit down to try to animate it, you're like, oh, these, these feet are swapped, the hands switch what, whatever they're holding, uh, there's some hookup issues where a character is missing from one scene or has a different expression in the next. And so there's lots of little things where you're like, okay, we can't animate that. So you have to go back and get it fixed. And so that's like the real job. But if you're working freelance, which is how I started, I started freelance. So I started out working alone, which is kind of interesting because, you know, during the pandemic, I was like, oh, this is how I started in the industry. You've been Just, training for the pandemic this whole time. Yes. Exactly. And it was a long time of just sitting in my studio apartment alone being like, I'm an animator. This is amazing. I'm getting paid for this and surviving. I'm alone, but I'm surviving. Yeah. And then right back to it just a few years later. <laughs> that's so crazy. Yeah, that's so crazy. How, uh, how did it feel? Was it was it a little bit of a bummer where you're like, eh, I'm used to it? I Well, you know, I was always, because I entered the industry working on my own projects and working on my own songs and my own cartoons. Um, I had to take a break from that uh, just to learn the craft of timing because it's such a difficult skill to learn that once I got good enough at timing to where I could actually have personal projects again, I, I was okay with going back to being alone because I enjoyed making cartoons. Hmm. But I was always impatient, so I took the... It was like right before the pandemic hit that I started messing with Blender. Hmm. And it was like Blender 2.7, which is way, way old. But I just kept getting further and further into CG. And I think it was uh, The Mandalorian came out during, in the middle of the pandemic, right? Mm. It was, uh, and then they referenced something about using Unreal Engine for their backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was 
that got me, and I was like, oh, Unreal Engine is free, so I downloaded and installed that, and then I started trying to combine Blender and Unreal Engine, all learning from YouTube videos, you know, but with the extra free time from not commuting. Dude, that's so cool, because I feel like, uh, like, I just learned Blender, and then literally when I learned Blender, that's kind of when Unreal became more of an of a talking point in the industry. Like, I feel like now Unreal is <laughs> yeah. really starting to be a thing, and I'm just yeah. like, oh man like it sounds so da daunting and like how was your process oh no it is yeah how did you learn these it was software? like what's your angle do you how do you kind of sign yourself little do you follow tutorials or how do you yeah yes i do and you know i took my approach from because i taught myself so i'm like a self-taught animator you know i didn't go to college mm -hmm. at all mm -hmm. um i was always just kind of like a worker so anytime i wanted to do something whether it was music or anything i would just go online, research, buy books, figure out how to do it, and just do it. With Blender, it was a little more difficult because back in 2018, 2019, there wasn't anywhere near the amount of tutorials there are now. And so, you know, I would sign up for Patreons to get people who are like, to you know, get inside the heads of people who are super talented. Um, and I would try to find as many resources as I could. There was actually, it's so funny because everything I learned about rigging a character I learned from a Canadian animator who had a Patreon, and he was so cool. Uh, I think his channel is called Pixel Level Pixel or Level Pixel Level. But either way, if you go to his page right now, even though the videos are a couple of years old, he goes over the basics, the fundamentals of rigging. And so I always made the focus of making a cartoon my, my end goal. So I limited the stuff I was allowing myself to learn, narrowing that focus to just what pertains to animation, which started with moving blocks and cameras, like really getting comfortable with cameras, because if you can be good with a camera in 3D, you can have, because I'm fine with talking heads, I'm fine with a character standing still, as long as like the, the shots are nice, the composition is nice, you know? So that was my main focus, was just sort of starting, and, and being a timing director, you know, my job has always been to focus down to the frame of camera moves, cross dissolves, how things need to actually be animated, like what steps need to work, what can be cheated when sending it overseas and what can't. You know, and when you're making those tiny adjustments to a camera move by just writing it on a sheet of paper, you know, you need to know this stuff in your head. So sometimes I was just using Blender as a way to progress my skill level. Because it's one thing to be like, oh, you know what, this camera move, this truck in should be four frames instead of six. It's like, does it, you know, is that too tight? Is that too quick? Just set, set it up in Blender. See what it looks like in Blender. You instantly know. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. I feel like um, it's it's really interesting to talk about uh, 3D cameras because I, I when I worked on Wings of Fire, we were storyboarding in Blender, and at first I was just mm. kind of like, ah. Do we really have to storyboard in Blender? Can we just kind of like just draw it? <laughs> but it's true that <laughs> it's true that once you have your assets and you have a camera in 3D, you like there um there are some shots that are, would be very 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 hard to get correctly in 
3D. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, there's some shots that can only exist in 3D, you know, especially yeah. animated camera moves. Mm-hmm. Those are really painful. And, you know, I mean, there's a, another big kind of like side issue with board artists is doing impossible camera moves on a traditionally animated show. It's like, hey, please don't yeah. animate the camera. Like, we can we can only cheat so much, so we can't. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a pet peeve of mine. Too, oh, really? Because I, 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 because I come from... Um, I come from making making shorts from soup to nuts, like just from scratch, right. just just yes. me. So anything yeah, yeah. that I storyboard, I need to know how to animate also. And yeah, so, yeah. So whenever I plan a camera move, I'm like I'm planning the whole pan, whether it's like a distorted banana pan or whether I do a trick where like I zoom in and have a have someone wipe the camera to switch the background <laughs> out behind them, like things right. like that are like t- to make camera pans possible but sometimes mm-hmm. people are like we're gonna have an animated background that's drawn frame by frame right here and it's like <laughs> oh, okay like like gotta be careful about that like i hope that there's not that much going on around them oh uh, I, you know? yeah i re- i love wa- i love stepping through those frame by frame especially the ones from the 90s i saw one from dilbert where they just in order to make it happen in the Dilbert cartoon, they'd have put it on like threes and it looks so like chunky and out of place. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> and, and sometimes I like, sometimes I like that. I mean, like, like Ooh, I, yeah, I do yeah. think that in an animated background, if, if like, if you plan it to be sent like a simple background, like it's totally doable. If it's just like, Oh, it, you know, it's like a, a shot from down below and you just see the upper corner of the room and the upper corner of the room just kind of like moves as the camera moves around like that's totally doable but yeah yeah, i mean if they're like outside and there's like other people and there's traffic around and there's buildings Mm. like you start getting yourself into like like hey i just set up a landmine for everyone that comes out (laughs) in the process or like the uh there's a simpsons animated uh pan from the 90s in mr burns's office where you watch his like giant white stuffed bear (laughs) and if you step through it frame by frame the bear just like goes in and out of like the most ridiculous poses it's like trying to draw that yeah animate that with a camera move is crazy for for anybody that's listening that wants to see in the chat at the top we posted a jamboard link and you can be a spectator to what we're drawing as well <laughs> what i was going to say is just for anybody that doesn't understand animation timing i think that maybe we could either take one of these two like this kind yeah. of like three pose phrase phrases and and maybe uh, like maybe for v's maybe maybe yes for actually that would be great I do. because it also has an effect in yeah. it we can cover effects as well eventually i do want you shane to do the can i get a job <laughs> smoking chew <gum. laughs> that one's so cool yeah it's so dramatic I, I, I might have i might have fucked you up by writing out can i get a job though and i can erase that if if that's helpful mm-hmm. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's interesting because it's an effect and we can kind of talk about we don't really, you know, we don't really time effects all that intricately because typically in timing, the thing that's most important about timing, especially for me as like a supervisor is, is not the timing of action per se, because actions can be, there's no language barrier to action, mm-hmm. but there is a language barrier to performance. Mm. And so when I'm you know, focusing on the timing of, of animation of something, I want a lot of effort put into the the dialogue based performance of the characters mm-hmm. because you know whether it's Korea or the Philippines or whatever overseas studio is working, uh, barring Canada, they could probably get it. You know, they speak English most of them, but um, most <laughs> the uh, 
<laughs> or French or, you know, but um, the, the, the main focus is really just like putting a lot of care and attention into the timing of the acting performance, because that's what we're in charge of. And bad timing can make, you know, an acting, an animation performance look kind of stiff and wooden and weird, or it can give it an unknown amount of life that like, you couldn't see in the boards. So I think maybe a good exercise here is if we do um, the can I get a job but done as a smoke effect and he's not saying it, what, uh, can we can we talk about that and then I'll do another pass where I erase can I get a job and like I'll I'll just make him say it while he does the cigarette. But I, I do want to see the I do want to see the timing for his little expression because he's so blasé and like done with life and I think that's kind of cool yeah. and I want to know your timing take on that expression. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> it's you know it's you know it's a tough one because because the words so it's. Let's see here. The can I get a is, um, oh, it's on the inhale and then job is on the exhale. I see. The only problem is that, you know, because of the drifting of the smoke, job would come before can I get a. So what if we switch it around so that the so that he exhales on job and then he breathes out can I get a, you know what I mean? So that way it's like you don't understand why he's, why the word job is coming from the cigarette until after he blows out can I get a and even the can I get a can push the job. Now this is the sort of thing, you know, that we could spend hours talking about <laughs> you know, because it's sure, sure. it's just it's just like the timing aspect of it you know, it's like when you start getting into the timing of the animation, it's like, oh it's backwards it's technically, I, how can well, we get like, around that? So, so, so if, if I were to do something like this where we know that he has to say can i get a job in the middle of this without any of the smoke effects oh um, you know it'd be yeah we could do that we could say oh you know what we could do is that because job we can kind of cheat it and make it an e-mouth he has kind of an f-mouth there when he's blowing out the smoke oh you didn't have to erase it it's okay it's well why don't, why don't i do this uh, i'm gonna erase can i get a and then just on job it, it'll, yeah. it'll it'll be the exhale and and um, like, if there's any, if there any, if there's any way that you specially annotate it, feel free to like, if you want to pick the pencil and and draw in red or something and and make any annotations yeah. around it. I'm curious how how you would express this, uh, how you express how you would express this stuff. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And we'll do like a simultaneous thing where he'll say the word job and exhale it, just so I can, just while so track read it and lip assign it. And you know, the lip assignment is really. With the, the timing of the animation is kind of, it's not just based on the performance, it's also kind of locked to the dialogue mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, you know, because it's dependent on the, the dialogue and the performance itself. And so it's always nice to have the, that's why typically we have the order, it's storyboarded, mm -hmm. there's an animatic, um, and then while the animatic is being built, the audio is being sent to the track reader. And so once it's track written, vertically then it's lip assigned after that and then once we get the lip assignment back and it's track read then that along with the animatic and the conformed storyboards mm. goes to the timing department and then the timing department gets to work on the nitty-gritty of how to mm. yeah. make everything animated frame so, by frame so so say say we did it this way and and i said that the, the line read is what before he has a cigarette in his mouth he goes can i get a and then he inhales <sighs> job yeah yeah this is so yeah, cool for anybody who's like in the in listening right now 
I think this is so cool because it's like it's like what's happening in a meeting, right? Like what what's happening <laughs> when your timing supervisor is talking to their director. I'm guessing, right, Shane? Is... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you're pretty much getting we're we're like simulating you guys being in uh in an anime animation director's office talking oh, yeah. to their very very <laughs> much so. Yeah, like if Sean was the director, like yeah. like me telling him like, hey, the job is gonna come in the wrong order based on the board sequence. So we got to like figure out a fix for that. And we just did. It takes a while to come to a fix because oftentimes you can't fix stuff. You just have to change it Mm -hmm. and then get the essence of what you were hoping for down. And that's a lot of what it is after the animatic phase. That is so cool. I'm so excited to be doing this because I mean, for anybody who's like listening right now, like I personally in my career have never um, talked to a timing supervisor or somebody doing timesheets in a professional setting. So um, I'm learning just as much as uh, you guys sitting in the room. Um, so yeah, in, in, in many cases, the timing, su- the, um, the people that do board timing or the timing supervisor, it's either removed from our part of the process basically like we mm-hmm. do our work and then they get our work afterwards so i don't end up having many interactions with them or they don't exist altogether and i, I work on a lot of shows right. where i do the timing in the boards through animatics and i and there not isn't even a timing um supervisor so yeah. this is something that i really really is new to me too which is why i'm so curious about mm-hmm. like how you would dissect this or um like if there's a way that you annotate your like the words or the timing of the words or whatever on a on a sheet like this uh, it's new to me too sort of yeah yeah it's very strange it's it kind of varies from studio to studio production to production the workflow this is very much a traditional animation workflow only mm-hmm. you know if you're working on a rig based show there's no timers on a rig based show because everybody who's working on the rigs is doing their own timing and they instantly know if they don't like the timing they just adjust it themselves and you know we don't t- i don't ever reach out to the board artists if you're if you're a director then the timing supervisor will come to you with questions but if you're just a timer you'll usually yeah you'll never i've never went to a board artist and be like hey can you fix that because i don't really know which boardist worked on which sequence i'm just kind of going through and making sure that it works and so it's sort of just uh yeah, I just have to sit down with the director to go over that kind of stuff. And some productions will have the timing supervisor sit in on the lock, and some won't. And all it's yeah, it's all just it's a very strange job. It's a very obscure job, and it's very misunderstood in a lot of ways. It's uh, it's very difficult to learn, but there's definitely a shortage of timers in the industry for sure. Yeah. If um if we were to look at um this bottom three that that V did, I added little mouths on them. And like, what if, what if this character were to say, like, "Oh gosh, dang it!" and like, does a little stomp on, on "dang it." Um, how would you talk about or annotate okay. that um, kind, so, kind of timing? I'm just curious. Oh sure. Well, I can actually. So the thing, the thing we have here is that um, if we're, if we're calling this an antic pose, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> we would definitely want to keep the expression from pose one. Right. So it's like, yeah, we wouldn't want to have an expression change happen in the, in the middle of a sequence like that. Right. Uh, obviously I'm pretending as if you did all this on purpose and not just sure. for fun. But, uh, and then if you look at this pose here, this third pose, this isn't, this isn't a contact. It's really a follow through pose, you know, because we want, 
the boards really, even though this would be a good storyboard, it's not like for animation, we want the moment he touches here with his foot to be the actual storyboard, ideally, mm. the contact pose. Otherwise, 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 we have to time it with an X and kind of follow through to this pose here, you know? And we just have to tell Korea that, oh, hit here, and then kind of follow through there. And then that's when the smoke rises up, the little cloud of smoke from his smack. Oh, do you mean that, um, like, it would first be the contact and then the smoke. So like the problem with this drawing is that there's the smoke and the contact. Right. Well, and the follow through. Cause it's... So we would want like, we would want like an yeah. A. And exactly. A. Exactly. So contact here. Mm, I exactly. See. Exactly. Cool. And I gave it, yeah, I gave it two in-betweens with a slow in at the end as the follow through from A to B. Like that's just, you know, would be my instinct. Anything more than that, and it'll feel too kind of sludgy. Even that might be kind of sludgy. I might even do like an overshoot in a saddle, yeah. which would be like contact overshoot. I can't. No, it's okay. Let, let's go to the new page. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna draw, redraw it, and give you a little more, a little more space. Before... While while Sean is doing that, uh, I would just like to interrupt uh, to ask one of the questions that you received on Instagram that you did answer already but i just want to just so we have it so that everyone that's listening to it live can also yeah have that as a thing mm. so uh someone on um instagram just asked um i guess like based off of your background as a timing like you know timing person uh mm-hmm. like what were the inspirations for making your series oh like, chew oh the the chew gum cartoon yeah m- mm-hmm. my inspirations were absolutely stuff that did not have timing for sure like <laughs> home movie home movie is the, the cartoon from like 2003 that uh it was like lauren bichard's like second cartoon like he did after dr Katz. um it's so wild to me that i've worked at his studio on multiple productions because i remember being like 22 and 23 and not even wanting to be an animator but just being obsessed with home movies and i wasn't really sure why hmm. You know, but it was just there was just something about the animation, about the limitedness of it that uh, just really appealed to me. And how it was always, it was dialogue driven, but the dialogue didn't have a purpose. It was very meandering, and I had never heard anything like that before. Mm. And so that sort of improvisational, sort of rambling, uh, getting around to the point eventually, sort of thing was very inspiring. And then you know, the Venture Brothers, uh, Venture Brothers was hugely inspiring, and Flight of the Concords. I remember being obsessed with that uh, in the late 2000s, right? 2008, 2009 was kind of when they had their HBO show. Mm. Oh, and Syphil and Ollie, I was absolutely obsessed with. It's like another 90s sock puppet show. But a lot of that stuff just kind of inspired, I mean, that and just the limitation of uh, getting, like Sean, you were saying, the soup to nuts thing is just whatever will get you to a, a cartoon. You know, <laughs> whatever will... Yeah, my inspiration is basically anything that I can do or think that I can do. You know, like I have these grand visions in my head and then I will just kind of secretly compromise and compromise and compromise until I get to something that I'm like embarrassed by, but it's done. And then I'm like, oh, wow. When you look back, you're like, hey, this isn't so bad. But yeah, so anything that doesn't, you know, it's like as, as much as it's fun to watch gorgeous animation like Spider-Verse and things like that, you know, it doesn't really, the only stuff that influences my work is the stuff that I could do <laughs> as like a single person. <laughs> I know what you mean, though. I feel like I really relate to that because I feel like, you know, when you're a creator at heart, you, you're not like, 
I don't know. This is maybe a hot take, but I feel like when you're a um, <laughs> creator at heart, you get more inspired by something that you, you're you like, oh, I could do this, rather than something that's like so like like amazing and crazy and beautiful and, and insanely difficult to do that it's just kind of like, well, why would I even want to try to do that? Because I know I can't. Like, I'm just a single person, right? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's tough. I mean, and I didn't want to go the webcomic route because, you know, I'm not a great draftsman and I don't get the same, like, I'm looking at you guys' drawings and they're, like, gorgeous and I, I'm, like, totally jealous. <laughs> but when I, when, I, huh. when, I sit, when I sit and draw, I don't feel that sense of accomplishment as I do even when I just, like, jiggle a cube on a screen. You know, mm -hmm. it's like I, I love movement and I'm okay with assigning a personality to a cube. I mean, like, what was that um, Chuck Jones short, right? Like the circle in the line or something like that, mm -hmm. you know, where you can, that was really kind of um, informative to me. Like, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You can personify anything. Yeah. And as long as it moves and has a personality, it's, yeah. I think that's gonna, I think that's also what's cool with I don't know, you're with Chugum is that uh, I know you, I remember you said that it started with them just being little like cubes or square that you were moving around the screen and then eventually you gave them a more anthropomorphic appearance. Yeah, yeah. And there was little, yeah, oh, go ahead. Uh, no, I, yeah, I guess I was just going to say like, I think what's really cool is that, you know, uh, when I watch these videos I know with my current skills I can't replicate what you're doing because you're there's like a lot of craftsmanship that goes in these videos it's not only knowing how to do 3d how to animate how to write and how to write also songs. making a song yeah it's, it's, it's <laughs> can, voice acting it's yeah. it's a lot and I was actually I was now I was really curious about because I I was watching your videos and I'm like I wonder what Shane's voice sound like <laughs> sound like in our real life oh, my, my real voice yeah <laughs> because <laughs> you do all the voices right yeah i do everything yeah uh the only thing i don't do personally is some of the environments i'll usually buy them as kits off of the unreal engine store they're like they're designed for video games but you can use like they work so great for a cartoon yeah. but but yeah even like i'm not a that's the funny thing is that i uh i'm mediocre at so many things but if you combine them all you still get a cartoon at the end so like i'm not a voice actor i can't do voices and i can't if you put a script in front of me, the performance is not going to be great per se. But if I have an idea of the some plot points I need to get across and I ramble for a while and then I edit that rambling down, all of a sudden it can start it can sound natural. Is that how you But it was also years. Is that of, how you voice act? Is it just like do you just kind of like give yourself like a lot of like uh, audio B-roll, I guess? <laughs> yeah, no. I mean it's literally yeah, just like the can I get a job? No, you can't get a job. Why not? Because we're not hiring. Why aren't you hiring? I'm not a business. I'm just a guy standing here. Will you move? Okay. I'm sorry. You need a job? Yeah. What? You know, it's just like... And you just, just do it over and over again until you're like, okay, I yes. think I said enough versions where there's probably like a right take in there somewhere. No, totally. And actually, it's one of the really nice things is that I, I'm bad at knowing when I've done something to death, but my partner is very good at, I, I like having her in the room while I'm improvising, even though it's like super embarrassing, because then she'll be like, you've done that section to death. I think there's, there's something there, but this part's weak. And so I'll be like, okay, okay. 
So when I go back and edit my own stuff, I'm like, oh my God, why did I say that 15 times? Like, I don't need all that. There's not many people that talk about the value of having a second opinion. Yes. It's really important. Mm -hmm. Oh, it changed everything. It changed everything. Uh, yeah, even because I, I mean, I don't know, it's, that, it's not that personal, but I was like, uh, my last girlfriend, she broke up with me before I actually formally became an animator. And I spent so many years trying to, because when you first get into animation, I don't know about you guys, but for me, it felt fake. And it felt like it was going to go away at any moment. Yeah, I, yeah. And so I would, I, I was working multiple jobs at once. I was doing everything I could. And I was like, I got to just, I want to ride this as long as it'll last. Because it just does not feel like I'm going to get to stay. And so I didn't date anybody. I didn't go on any dates for years, years, and almost like a decade. And so this is the first time I've ever had like, like a partner, like a, like a romantic partner, who, as an animator... I'm like, oh, wow, this is, you know, and, and she has like super interesting opinions and advice. And she set up the actual Twitter account. Like I, and she, she probably is the one who followed you. Like it probably wasn't even me. I mean, we kind of split duties on a lot of that mm -hmm. stuff because I just don't, you know, it's like, it's so much work yeah, that, doing all of that stuff. I remember uh, your Twitter account says, um, it says something along the lines of like, this is a, uh, um, like a joined or like managed account. Yes. So I was like, oh, this could be yeah. like a producer. You could have hired someone to do this. So that's why when I PMG, I was <laughs> yeah. like, hey, uh, um, if Shane's available or whatever, I was like, I was like, I might not be talking to Shane. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, and I, because I felt guilty because I always try to reply to people when I see replies. I try to reply to everybody, oh. you know, because these are humans. Um, and, you know, I don't get that many comments. Yeah. So it's not like it takes that much energy to reply to people. But she was always like, hey, you got, you got a message. Like, hey, you got a message. And I was like, oh, shoot. Okay. Yeah. But without her, I mean, she, she had the idea for the Kickstarter because she's like, you're going to, you're going to make this cartoon anyway, right? You're going to do this no matter what, right? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to try. And she's like, well, why not? make it a Kickstarter and try to like make it legitimate. And I was like, Oh, because it'll fail. And she's like, yeah, but that's <laughs> kind of the point. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I try not, I try not to be a pessimist. You know, I try not to, uh, yeah. but I, I don't believe I am because a pes pessimists don't make stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I've never let my pessimism stop me from finishing a project. No, but I, I get that. But because I feel like, like believing, believing in yourself as an artist and like, this is me, uh, getting real for a little bit on twitter live everyone but every time that's like my achilles heel as well like i have like a little writer's group and every time my mentor in the writer's group is like you're great you should believe in yourself and shit like that i'm like turn the camera off because like <laughs> you know i'm like i start crying and i'm like fuck oh, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah so there's a little bit yeah. of that i feel like i mean if you're in animation if you're an artist you're, you're you're probably dealing with some kind of like an imposter syndrome and it, i mean it's really hard it's really hard to overcome that so yeah it, well especially especially as a timing director because you're not a board artist you're not a director and there's this um prevailing notion that what you're doing isn't always that creative. Mm. Um, and sometimes it's not, sometimes it's just feels like a ton of problem solving, but you're deciding so you're making so many minuscule creative choices, including adjusting scene cuts, adjusting camera moves, you know, because there's only so much an editor can do and there's only so much a board artist can do. Um, you're bringing stuff to life, mm -hmm. but there is sort of a sense of being on the outside, being after the fact. Yeah. And so, one of my big things was I need to make something of my own yeah, yeah. to at least kind of make me feel legit. 
You know, it's like you, if you look at my cartoons and you don't like my timing on my own personal projects, then, you know, don't hire me. Sure. <laughs> <But it's> like, <laughs> well, I, it, it, it sort of seems like it's like you're like someone doing a jigsaw puzzle. Like someone's already designed the puzzle, but you you are making sure it's in the right order and making sure that it's cohesive and makes sense and comes together in the final image. And that's still very important to the puzzle being done or else the puzzle wouldn't exactly exactly but there's also a sort of feeling you know you do that for half a decade and you're like wow i'm not involved in any of the early creative sure. decisions yeah. that inform that i'm like yeah. so you know it's like without a personal project i think i don't know that but i would have survived I, I think i think you'd be surprised about how like even for people that are doing quote-unquote creative jobs on shows i don't know if that feeling goes away it, yeah. if you if you're somebody that really wants to make your own stuff regardless of whether you're drawing something for someone's project or timing something on someone's project, it's someone else's project. If yes. making your own project is a very important thing. To Dude, that's actually something mm -hmm. that I realized working in uh, feature. I thought uh, directors had a lot more power than uh, when what they actually did. I was like, oh, shoot, that, you know, you're in meetings sometimes and you kind of hear what's being talked about or like you, you talk to them a little bit. And then you realize, like, oh man, you you still have to follow so many rules. It's yeah, it's yeah. kind of crazy sometimes to think about. Um, yeah, and I, I think that's why, like the, the like the three of us were like kind of people to just do our things on the side because then you have complete control and you have complete, like it's your thing. It's like you're like I mean, Sean, you do your full animations with like Studio Digital. I have a web comic, and Shane, you have your web series, and it's like that's the only. Dude, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like this is, there's just, it's so rewarding. It's so rewarding to do your own thing and put it out there, right? <laughs> I don't know. It's like. Yeah. It's also, it's also um, very vulnerable. And yes. I think that it's, it's funny, <laughs> it's funny sometimes because I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. talk to my partner and, um, and she'll say uh, sometimes that it, it like, sometimes it, um, it doesn't seem like when I'm working on my own stuff that I like it <laughs> because it's oh, so, oh, because dude, it's so dude. hard because, because dude, when I'm yes. working on it, everything feels more important. Everything feels more dire. Yeah. It feels like I'm a bad writer. It feels because like the, I care about the things more. And so when I'm doing it, I'm like, Oh my God, how am I going to do this? It's not working. <laughs> like, no, but, but, I know. But, but when the finished thing comes out, there's like nothing like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's yeah, no, no, no. I I am constantly talking about how much I hate animation. <laughs> like it's such a funny. It's like constantly. Yeah, yeah. It's like I hate animation. I don't want to watch it. I hate it. Like everything. You know. It's and and she'll be like, you you keep saying that, and then you just spent ten hours animating. I was like, right, yeah, I know, right. but I hate it. You know. It's like you're like Miyazaki. It's just like I'm done with this. <laughs> Yeah. Like, yeah. you can't stop you can't stop this is your curse uh to some to some yeah. uh i mean i joke but it's kind of true like i feel like um that's why i keep bringing back Clem is gonna you know what eh, i i'm gonna stick to this until the end of creative block but uh my running gag is bukowski because i keep bringing back bukowski and how he's just like on his headstone it says don't <laughs> try because it means basically that you're if you're cursed with this passion you're going to be doing it no matter what so uh, it's kind of that for me well, with it's, comics. It's like well, it's what it's it's what Shane said before a little bit. It it like at the root of it, we're 
either mediocre at many things mm-hmm. and it turns into one finished thing or almost good at uh, many things and it turns into one finished thing. But that's just it. It's many different things. And you don't have to like all of those individual parts to mm. like mm. what it turns into. And I think that's that's the thing about this whole process is like, yeah, I, I, I might struggle with writing. I might not like editing. I might like like <laughs> right. drawing more. But at the end of the day, I like making a full cartoon mm-hmm. on my own. Um, but yeah, it doesn't it doesn't mean that you have to be in the mood for each of those individual parts. And if you're like grumpy while you're doing it, you know, it doesn't mean that you hate doing that thing necessarily. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I t- I try to car- uh, compartmentalize it all, but it's very difficult. Yeah. It's... Yeah. Oh, and before we get too far from what uh, that that timing of that smoke thing, I I, I read through the little <laughs> the the little timing, and hopefully you have a little bit more space, and we can uh, we can erase these words. I'd love to see how you think about it. Yeah, yeah, I do two. love the essay. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's some paper shit. That's some boarding on. <laughs> yeah. pa- I I storyboarded on paper for um regular show and uh mm. um and so that's the only time I've ever boarded on paper on a on a on a production. But uh, I have done it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because it's if you don't do it, then it's our job to indicate it to Korea. So we put it on the sheets. So we'll put this panel essay ourselves if it's not there. So we always got to be on the lookout yeah. for stuff that doesn't move. Yeah, for for the audience, um, basically, when a pose doesn't change or a background doesn't change, you can write SA, which is same as. So it's the same as the last pose, and I just sort of trace what the pose, the outline of the pose, just to show, like, the pose is still here, but I'm not going to draw it another damn time on paper. Yeah. Oh, so were you, were you saying we should we should start in on this? Do the timing yeah. thing? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I would lo- I would love to see yeah. what what what, uh, what you do. Uh, yeah. Let's do uh, it. Let me. Ex- yeah. l- l- I'm gonna make it full screen on my end so I can like see stuff. So we have. Okay. So let's see here. So we'll start by we'll I'll assign these letters A B C D E. We'll call those panels. Nice. We'll um we'll start the scene as if this was scene one. We'll expose this panel as gum. Uh, and I'll write gum with a uh, cigarette, just so that it's there. Um, let's see here. Oh, did I not give myself enough room? Let me raise this. I'll make this tinier, because we're because I still want to do the track reading and the lip assignment. So there's very little room for, there we go. I know, so sorry, you're be... having to make something very small on what you probably normally yeah. have a full timing sheet for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, no, this, okay. this is so this is so cool. This isn't something that we we've done yeah. on Creative Block uh, this particular thing and it's it's very interesting. I I just want you to know that what you're doing is cool. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Uh that's nice. Okay, so let's see here. Hey, can I get a job and we'll just uh Hey. Can I, uh, can I get a, and I'll just, I'll have him say job as he's, as he's like sure. blowing it out. That's, yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that's way too Jube. truncated. Um, yeah, it's way too, well, are you, oh yeah, jube or job or, no, okay, no, no, so I'm just here. kidding. No, no, you're good. You're good. 
<laughs> All right, so if I was to lip assign this, I would go start with an A mouth. That's the closed mouth. Uh, uh, J. Well, no, we'll do K. I always forget that there's K mouths because American Dad doesn't use K mouths. We only have, we just use the C mouth for K. Uh, a. A. J. C. J. K. Uh, oh, dude, oops. <laughs> that is so cool. I yeah. How, how, why do you put the J mouth? Is it? Uh, what's that? What's the J mouth for? For oh, J is J is like a K mouth, but with gritted teeth. Oh, so I see. So that's yeah, that's J, and then that's you know that's K. <laughs> that's nothing, but. <laughs> But yeah, J mouth is basically, at least on American Dad, we use the J mouth for hard consonants. Um, yeah, like I'm using it for this G sound. Mm. Can I get get a get a uh, I'll do an E mouth just for fun. Jump. Hey. Okay, so there we go. So that would be the lip assignment. And then to the right of this, if you can imagine, there's also something like called neutral smile frown mouths. So there's, you know, for every emotion. Um, and I would just assign that an N so that the studio knew that that was a neutral mouth. Maybe a frown, but... Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's see here. So, so right off the bat, actually... Okay, so here's... Okay, I'm going to do something kind of crazy. Um, this is how... This is how timers think. Mm -hmm. And this is why t timing is so important. So even though you boarded it A B C D, I'm actually going to probably be B A B sort of right. Exactly. Okay, that's exactly. I, I realized what you were thinking about. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm going to expose B as the first panel, so that way I can move to A through the hay, mm. and um, and we can assume that his expression has changed a little bit. Like maybe I would draw this thicker just so that you can, that's not supposed to be squinting. That's just supposed to be a lid mm -hmm. lower so that his lids can actually raise a little bit. And I would separate his, let me erase this. I would separate his expression change from his head and his arm so that we would have the expression to A. His head could raise with like a slow in at the end. And then his arm would be three in-betweens. And I would make it so oh, I can't erase with the, the, the way you know the way the Cintiq erases. <laughs> um, so I would then I would slow in his arm. So it would be expression, head, and arm. And I would have make sure the arm hits on the end of that hey. So he's like, hey, mm. so going from B to A. Um, can I get a? Let's see here. And then. Um, I hold that for a while. Oh, we could just go back, just something simple. Um, all is one move without any eases. Back to B. Uh, I'll separate the expression from the head and the arm. Um, so because we, when you're going back and forth between two poses, you really don't want the timing to be too similar mm -hmm. because then mm -hmm. it starts to look like a cycle. By, by, adding, by having no eases or no slow ends or no slow outs uh, the second time through, it forces Korea to create different in-betweens than they would use for the first move. So they can't, you know, like you got to try to force them to do as much drawing as possible because they'll cheat when they can get, think they can get away with it. And you want as much, you know, original drawing as possible. Mm. 
These aren't, these aren't common things to think about, but they're always something, you know, as a supervisor, I'm trying to think of like, I want as many drawings as possible without it being unreasonable. Like I'm putting this on twos, not on ones. Mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, a monster, especially if there's slow moves. Um, and I, I wish I had more room because if I, what I would do is, he, he absolutely should go to the C expression. Um, I would have his, I would time it so that, let's see here. Let's erase this. This is a little funky, but what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna time it to an X and then follow through. So I would write uh, left hand cigarette to mouth. Mm. And I would indicate it with indicate it with an X because then I would like for him to follow through to that C pose to kind of help sell the inhale. Mm. You know, because we don't have an, that additional pose where he puts it to his lips, then goes down. Right. Um, and so now we're getting to a place where so, so the, you're treating the current pose as X or or the the um the initial contact pose that isn't as drastic as like if I were to add another pose right here where where you're not fully dra you know he's not bending that over that is exactly that is exactly yeah. it for the most part exactly if for the most part as long as the breakdown is can be interpreted as a direct breakdown and not like because you know some breakdowns are offset from the natural arc because they help sell like personality and things like that mm. um, or kind of helps with overlap and drag but if the breakdown can be interpreted as pretty much straightforward then it's okay uh, at least me personally you know every production is different but it's okay to indicate it with just an x mm. Because then they'll kind of know that you're following. And I would write the words follow through, F-O-L-O-T-H-R-U, just like that, mm. to the pose. And then um, now the, the timing I like, the lip assignment is no longer accurate. Um, so we kind of have to use our imagination a little bit. Can I scroll down? No, no. I'm sorry. No, There's we ran out, out of space. Well, it's it's uh, also it, we don't we don't have to completely finish it if yeah. if, if you no. run out of space. That's okay. Well, I, this is, I would like this is so cool more though. Than, yeah, because you know. I feel like this is such an in depth look that we never get, and it's so interesting because it you showed a couple of things that I don't think people think about. First of all, you showed that you can um, label a pose X to kind of create a new pose out of um pose that are that are in the boards and um also just kind of like how you kind of think of the different body parts and how you animate them differently and i think that is that's just really really cool and um like there's like there's a lot of thinking that goes into it and it's very like minute um yeah that's the yeah that's what makes the job so interesting and so hard to understand for a lot of people it's why it's like one of the most obscure you know fields yeah. for people to break into i feel like a future civilization is going to stumble across a timing sheet and think that it's a math equation and be like oh they were doing image math <laughs> like because <laughs> like, it's, it's such yeah. a it, i mean it looks like a chart it looks like like okay yeah we got to graph the parabola of the g mouth uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. you yeah, wrote yeah. in the in the comments on Twitter. So for anybody who's listening uh, in the Twitter space, we also we um, uh, advertise the Twitter space that we're doing right now on Instagram. And a couple of people asked some questions on Instagram, and uh, Shane answered one of the questions, which was about uh, how he 
uh, studied uh, timing a little bit. And you said that you were keeping a notebook in which you would uh, write down timing from like different shows that you were watching. And would you, how do you note down timing? Do you just kind of write with words as a, like, for example, like, oh, in the show, they, they, they do this blink that way. Or do you actually, did you actually have like a timing sheet in which you were trying to write it like you would do on the job? So th this is so funny. It amazes me that I ended up becoming a timer because a lot of people, you know, it's pretty common for people to be like studying the Simpsons and a lot of people will study the storyboards of the Simpsons. But what I was doing is I wasn't drawing frames from the show, but I was writing longhand these paragraphs describing different moves that I saw. So before I even knew timing was a job, I instinctively was just like, okay, Homer's arm came in and it, they only used two drawings and they put it on twos. But then when he grabbed, when he grabbed the knob and turned like the knob on the TV, it was three in-betweens on ones. And they held it for four frames and then they got his arm out of there in two drawings on twos. And I, I, I refound, I wish I could find it again, but I found like these pages and pages of just paragraphs of me just describing the job I do now, just in long form. That's great. It's wild. It's very weird. But then after I became a timer, then I would, when I was learning and I understood that there was like this sheet music for animation, I would reverse engineer moves that I liked. And I would invite anybody to do this, even if you don't know how to transcribe it, to just start making folders of clips of moves you like. Because the way animation moves, it... It can, it's not like, it's not recyclable, but it's like the same movement can be applied to a lot of different poses mm. because so much animation, so much animation is like acting based, um, you know, and performance driven yeah. that if you see something you like, even down to a blink, you know, like there was like, I remember there was a blink in Iron Giant and like a character blink in Iron Giant. And I thought it was gorgeous. And I didn't, I was like, what is that? Why is that not the way a Simpsons character blinks? You know, and it was, it was essentially, I mean, the short answer is it was on ones, but they added a lot of slow ins to the eye opening that weren't there on when the eyes closed and like they held the eye closed position for like two or three in-betweens or two for two or three frames before opening it again. And it was just like this nice, like, oh, wow. So that you can use that. I used it later on other shows I worked on when there was like a blink because blinks are pretty pedestrian unless they're used to indicate, mm. um, uh, you know, unless they used to punctuate something. Uh, but then it's like, I could always go back and I remember the timing of that blink. And while it might not pertain exactly to the proportions of a character on another show, the timing still works. Mm. So yeah, definitely. I definitely kept timing journals for the longest time. It was, and it's kind of, kind of funny. Cause if you can, you start to see, you start to realize that timing is uh, an art form different vo void of storyboarding when you start really analyzing cartoons like on the simpsons the old seasons of the simpsons and the simpsons kind of invented like this version of timing we use now this this very um intricate version of timing where there's no layout phase anymore yeah um where the timing the timing kind of takes over the layout you know it's or like kind of compensates for it and it becomes very complicated in the timing phase mm. but uh if you watch if you watch old episodes of the simpsons you'll notice that for a long time, the timer's gotten to a bad habit, well, or not just a habit, of blinking at the end of every line of dialogue. Hmm. 
They put an arm down and they would blink. And if you start looking at it, you realize every character blinks when they end their line. And it's just, <laughs> once you start noticing it, you're like, oh my God, everybody's blinking multiple lines. Every time Homer puts his arm down, he blinks. Every time Bart sends, finishes a sentence, he blinks. And it's like, um, and it looks good. But then when it starts happening 30 times an episode, you know, one of the things that the supervising director on American Dad uh, was very particular about it. was like don't blink too often i don't want constant blinking <laughs> you know because it's yeah. that's so interesting yeah i was imagining your 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 uh timing journal journal being like it's like beside your bedside and you like wake up from a nightmare in a sweat in a panic and you open up your dream journal and you're and you're like okay so the mo the monster was doing a four-legged run cycle on threes uh and when i fell down there was this follow through to point x <laughs> like I'm wish you know I, I yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then inside it's, of your bedroom was, just becomes that like meme, the Charlie Day meme of just like this. Like, oh yeah, well, you're like I mean, putting that, papers on the wall, little strings. It's not kind that. Of it's yeah. It's it's not that. It, sometimes it gets that little crazy where you're like, oh my gosh, this time I worked on this show, but then I also worked on this show, and these moves are very kind of similar. And yeah, um, kind of a left field question, I guess, but not entirely. Um, because you've worked mostly on like on Western timing. Do you watch anime? Do you have opinions on the way anime is timed? Um, I don't have opinions mostly just because it's intentionally limited. So it's hard to, you know, I, I think because it Western animation is animated. It's not animated in like FPS. I mean, it runs at 24 FPS, but it's animated in footage, 16 frames per foot, mm -hmm. five feet per sheet. Um, you know, and it's like three feet equals two seconds of animation. Mm. Um, and so I'm always thinking in, I'm thinking when I think animation, I think in 16s, 12s, 8s, and I think anime is, their footage is different or something. They run it like, I can't remember. It's something like, it's, I don't think it's 30 FPS, but they have like their own unique system and they only have like three mouth shapes and everything is on threes. And one of the hard things about stepping through anime to study it is that sometimes you can't tell if something's on twos because it's bad encoding and you've got it off a torrent site or if it's truly intentional because mm. so much of it's on threes you know and stylistically uh, you know the only thing the only thing i really take away from anime for me personally is that you can get away with a lot mm -hmm. um if 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 you care about the characters <laughs> like if you care about the characters then you don't mind the animation I, I think that's I think yeah. that's true for on in a lot of uh, settings. Like for example, I keep always I always bring up South Park in terms of like South Park looks the way it looks, but yeah. uh, people love it because the stories are compelling or like you know there's oh yeah so it's kind of interesting. Um, no, I I just kind of wanted to I just kind of was wondering if you had ever kind of like um, studied anime timing a little bit or. Um, I mean, a little bit, but there's, I mean, so anime, I mean, obviously they do their own timing because they do their own. Yes. Everything. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you, you, you can't really study anime timing because they're so in control of what they're doing that anytime there's like an antic, you know, or a smear or any of that stuff, it's kind of, it's too much outside the realm of just timing. I see. So it's fun to, it, it's fun to look at and it's fun to study and you're like, oh my gosh, they just had this character like antic down, uh, you know, two in-betweens, antic, and then they run off screen and like two in-betweens, even though they're taking up the full frame and it's like strobey and it's cool looking, but there's like smearing going on and you can't, 
I mean, you can indicate smear frames on the sheets if you really want to, but you, it's, there's certain effects that you really shouldn't not have boards for. What about, what about like a super fluid anime fight scene, for instance? I don't know if, how how much you've looked or animated or uh, analyzed those, or is it, or is it so unconventional because you're used to uh, working on character timing where they're like, they're not like. Like zooming towards the camera and the flash hits and like, you know, like, you know, like sort of. the So I remember my, the guy who kind of was my mentor for timing. He was also actually the, the timing supervisor on Bob's Burgers, just the first like five seasons. He actually went through and timed a Dragon Ball Z fight scene as if it was as if it were like western boarded and the the sheet looks ridiculous because it's just just like it's all like kind of like on ones and it's just if i were to write it on here it was so funny Um, it's just very complicated yeah well in a way it's complicated but at the same time timing wise it's very simple because it's complicated drawings straightforward timing Mm. so action you know action is something where if it's bored if a fight scene is boarded well the the timing will almost look like a straight line because you know it's like you don't want to interfere with everything that's going on it's happening so quickly that it's okay for it to just kind of go straight ahead you know as you're talking there's something you. that i'm realizing because i um for anybody who's listening right now in the space there's a really really cool um animator i think his name is uh dong huang he did he studies he both animated for western shows and um anime and there's a, a video where he shows a blink how a blink is done in the in western animation and um anime and he uses two panels of um two panels to kind of show the boards and i realized like oh wait a minute that's what the difference is is that in anime the boards are very 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 simple there's not a lot of drawing because all all of it is done mm. at the animation stage so that's what it is whereas for us in in western shows we have very very um spell boards thorough boards yes because we kind of put a little bit like we've kind of split duties with the i guess with the timers in board artists and timers kind of create the blueprints for the animation whereas an anime the animators we we even yeah. Yeah, we even split the yeah. duties a little bit with key like the keyframe and layout yes. at, at at certain points too. Well, layout doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. So, cuz cuz yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's where you What's, get this thing yeah. where you have board artists adding a bunch of breakdowns as boards and you're like, "Well, okay, if it's a direct breakdown, you don't need to be doing this. It makes the animatic look pretty, but it doesn't Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That would be that would be cool. Killing yourself one for nothing. Day if we could just kind of like come together like timers and board artists and kind of like go over like you know like what we don't actually need to do because i feel like there's some boards that are definitely overposed and we don't need to be doing as much work but i feel like maybe there's some oh, times yeah. there's that we that you guys don't get and that it is kind of like a pain in the ass do you do you oh well let's yeah let's let's talk about let's talk about that briefly now is, is there anything that you see board artists uh do that is like a common mistake that you either um, want to see more of that they're not doing or they are doing and you don't need them to do <laughs> for, for like what you get into. Yes. So um, definitely don't board blinks. That's wild. Uh, 
uh, antics are not usually necessary if they're common sense. Mm, nice. um, oversh- boarding, boarding overshoots is a waste because we can just write overshoot and indicate how little we want it to be. Um, anything that's so overshoots, antics, blinks. So, so what do you any... mean by antics? Just just for the um uh the, oh the, okay the, the the listeners. The antic is like an uh the opposite of an overshoot. No, the um, <laughs> antic is <laughs> so uh, <laughs> antic antic is short for anticipation, and it basically just indicates the character is going to move in the opposite direction of where they intend to, um, and I. Beyond that, I don't know how to describe it. It's usually just kind of like a counterforce wait to prepare for a movement. So it's so pretty common on that, for on that first page that we had. It it's it is it that that movement that V did where the character is like going backwards and stepping out mm. before they do the follow through yeah. pose when they hit the ground. Yeah, that would be a stomp. crazy yeah. anticipation though. It is yeah. well. It would be bored. It would need to be a board that would, because it's so not predictable as an antic. A real like you could not do a leg raise as an antic. Mm-hmm. That's not. That's too much information okay. missing. Yeah. It would. It would totally need a board. I got you. Totally need a board. Yeah. But basic subtle movements. Um, like if somebody is like if somebody drops to the ground, sometimes their head will kind of lift up before they drop to the ground. Yeah. The head lifting up before cool. they drop doesn't need to be a board. There's a lot of. I see a lot of. You know, I think it's a lot mostly board artists who do stuff on CG shows and then they just get into the habit of overboarding and doing all of this stuff. But like digital, anything digital, like we throw out before it ever gets overseas. So if you kind of like do a head nod and it's clearly like digital or if you try to do like even like an overshoot in a settle where you're just like digitally stretching the head but not the face and then repositioning the face just a little bit so that it looks like a... So it doesn't look like it's all digital. Like that stuff gets tossed mm. out. It it makes the animatic look pretty, but it gets thrown away before anybody who's like animating the show actually sees it. Yeah, that's interesting. I um I kind of wanted to talk a little bit to um about music because you write mm, and yeah. play music. Uh, Sean also um, plays music and writes music, and I was wondering, would you kind of say like do you ever use anything that you've learned in music for timing and vice versa? Because it's both like time-based yeah. creativity. <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. No. To- well, it was. It was. It helped me learn timing. I think quicker than I would have otherwise. Like, um, so like Homer Simpson walks on twelve-frame steps, mm. whereas Stan Stan Smith walks on eight-frame steps, and I was like. I was having a hard time getting my head around what that feels like until I realized that Homer walks at 120 BPM. And I was like, oh, 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 I know that. I know what that feels like. But Stan walks at like between 140, 160. He's like Katy Perry, you know, pop song. I'm like, okay, I know that feeling. Like, because <laughs> part of timing is being able to see it in your head. That's so crazy. Feel That's it. so cool. That's so yeah. cool. Yeah, you wake up in a sweat and write in your dream journal that the monster was chasing <laughs> you for four measures, and every time it yeah. barked at you, it did a, cor- a quarter note. Yeah. Yeah, so there was little things like that, and then, yeah, just kind of... The music is the most difficult thing to time. Mm. It is very... It's so much more difficult than a standard sitcom, because music... Because there's... When music hits, when there's like a musical hit... 
it depends whether you want to follow through that hit or precede that hit depends on whether you're playing an instrument or you're doing it like a dance move. So like the guitar, you always want the left hand, the chord hand to hit the pose before the actual chord is heard, but you want the hand to ring out through the chord because that's how the chord is being generated. Mm-hmm. So there's so when you think in terms of music, you're thinking in terms of the timing of where everything needs to hit and when. Mm. And once you do something, oops, once you do something complicated like music, like a like then like a an acting performance is very simple. Mm. So is 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 a um timing out like a, a musical section is that the is that like the ban of your existence when <laughs> like are you like is. It abs- well, I mean on so many levels because you know as a songwriter I'm like, oh wow, they they whoever they got to write this song. It's sort of so, ironic <laughs> because yeah, you yeah. love making music. <laughs> I, I just don't love animating other people's music. Yeah, no, it's it, but I'm good at it. I just hate it with a passion. But no, it's <laughs> yeah, it is tough. It's it's a, it's a very quick um, training ground for sure. But yeah, I think the music definitely informed, especially because I started out trying to make music videos. Mm. It's like I you don't realize is like the most difficult thing when you're just kind of trying to make your own thing. Mm. Um, but then starting out doing something very difficult, you everything else is kind of simpler by comparison. Yeah, since we're talking about music and 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 animating and all that, like, um, can you kind of run us? through a little bit of like your process when you create a chugan video like 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 you know like do you do you kind of like write your script first or like do you just kind of like do you start with a visual in your head how's that process like for you so it definitely varies sometimes it'll actually start with a song and then i'll work backwards to find a way to make that song make sense in the context of conversation Mm. Or I'll force it and the song will be weird, but it it really depends. It always starts with either a snippet of, because I'll, I'll wander around my apartment just talking in character voices and, and being silly mm-hmm. until something makes me laugh enough to where I will like send it to my girlfriend. I'll say, in fact, the very first episode I made had this song about two trash cans and it was, the, the whole song is just, I got two trash cans to separate the shit from mm-hmm. the shit. And that was that started as like a snap that I sent to uh, my girlfriend because I literally bought two trash cans to do mm. that, and she she saved it. And when I I was like, I want to make this, I want to make a new version of the characters that I had before the pandemic and make this cartoon. And I, but I need a song, and I don't know what I'm gonna do. And she's like, What about this song? I was like, That's too stupid. Mm. She's like, Yeah, but it's isn't that what you're trying to do? And I was like, Oh yeah. So. So man, all I had was this yeah, man, insane you really, song. You, you really saved so much money by dating your producer. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, well, we, and we've, we've tried. We've tried to date Marco so many times, but it, 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 it hasn't worked out, and we have to. We have to pay Marco. Yeah, <laughs> it is definitely a lifesaver, though. I mean, I feel like so many creative decisions were made for me. I love guidelines. I love rules because you can. When you're doing your own thing, you can do anything. And sometimes that's not fun. Mm. But when you have somebody else being like, well, don't do that, do this. And you'll be like, well, that doesn't sound interesting, but but maybe I can make it interesting for me. And then it ends up being really mm-hmm. cool. But yeah, it's starting episode, like the, the idea, it, it always has to start with audio. Um, I don't, 
I don't create, I've created animatics in the past, um, but because it's all for me and for myself, I will drop dummy characters in CG into like an environment and I'll kind of like block out some shots uh, based on the dialogue performance. Well, that's sort of like uh, boarding for you. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense yeah. for your process. Yeah, yeah, because I can use my imagination to gauge. Well, the nice thing about 3D is that if I have a character's acting performance go outside the scope of the frame that I initially set up, I can just, you know, work backwards and truck it out. Actually, I don't even have to truck it out. Oftentimes you can just adjust the 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 lens size so that yeah. it's just like go from 50 mil 50 millimeters to 48 millimeters and you don't have to move the camera at all but then all of a sudden the arm is in frame you're like yeah oh, saved yeah and it does it doesn't warp the lens enough for me to care because it's just for me i'm 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 curious this is this is a, a little bit of a tangent and we don't have to stay on this uh, I'm, I'm curious that there's this scene in the matrix where cypher is watching the computer and the matrix code is going down and Neo's like, you know, like, what what do you see, you know, and, and he's like, to you, it's just numbers, but I see like, you know, girl with red hair, you know, guy with a briefcase, whatever. When we're talking to you, <laughs> in your head, are you thinking, J, J mouth, E mouth? <laughs> <laughs> like like yeah. like no. is it is it like, like a, a timing sheet running by in your head as we're, as we're talking to you not not necessarily but i can i can look at an x sheet even without storyboards and i can see problem areas even in timing alone void of drawings you know That's i can cool. i can totally i can totally look at sheets like sheets and sheets and sheets and i'll be like this is whatever this is it doesn't matter what the boards are. This is going to come out wonky, or this is clearly there's a mistake That's here. That's so crazy. So That's it's really definitely cool. yeah. Yeah. So sorry for the tension. I just I I had this thought. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, it totally is like Matrix code. I mean, it was. It took forever to learn. First, it takes forever to learn the terminology. Then it takes forever to to absorb it so that you can glance at something and look at it and see it and then interpret it in your head visually. I have like, I, have, I actually have a weird issue where I see stuff flipped sometimes if I'm working on my own projects. Like if I try to imagine acting poses, they're always accidentally flipped. I don't know why. It took me a while to figure out that I was seeing things backwards. I was like, why can't I get around? Why can't I draw this? It's like I'm trying to draw a flipped image of it. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if there's a name for that, but luckily in 3D, you can just turn stuff around. <laughs> I think yeah dude I think it, yeah that is so cool I I um I think do, do you ever get inspiration from like 3d environments that you grabbed are you ever like oh I I'm like I'm inspired by this 3d environment and now I kind of want to write a song about that or mm. yes uh, <laughs> yeah absolutely i'm i'm big on working within what i have uh and so anytime i see something that inspires me or i'm like oh i could use that uh i always will write to it i'll always write for what i have available to me uh but i will also like i did a cover of teenage dirtbag and i had them chew and gum their old versions of them perform it and i knew i had to i wanted them in a gymnasium so i splurged on like a $70 gymnasium mm. giving myself my own little animation budget but yeah anytime I see a, an environment that is inspiring I'll work backwards from that for sure that's so cool I I, I love that like you were I don't know it, there was like one, one of your videos where uh one of the characters is like oh like the apples in stereo that sounds fake and I'm like whoa you listen to this band I feel like I'm the only person who listens to this band 
<laughs> what are your favorite I, bands? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. Well, that's kind of like coming from the background of being, because I grew up <laughs> just north of Seattle. Mm. Uh, and so, and I grew up in, you know, I grew up around a time where Death Cab was a huge local band, but they hadn't become like mainstream Whoa. yet because I was in high school in the 2000s. So I would go and see Death Cab all the time, like when I was in high school and watching them blow up. But that very, that DIY, you know, kind of uh, aesthetic or whatever was always ingrained in us. And this was around the time where digital four tracks were possible. So anything any music that sounded like what I was capable of making, I liked. So he liked the magnetic fields, the apples in stereo, um, you know, neutral milk hotel and like all that kind of stuff uh, was really inspiring. It took me a while to get there. I had to kind of go through, you start out with like Smashing Pumpkins and Radiohead, mm. and then you find out their influences of like Queen and David Bowie and Suede and the Pixies mm. And then in Seattle at the time, there was like Sunny Day Real Estate and the Fire Theft and the Posies and um, Harvey Danger and Death Cab and Modest Mouse was like around there around that time. Uh, yeah. But yeah, even just like reading about Elephant Six and like the B-52s and how there's like this whole Athens, Georgia music scene and you, thanks to the internet, you can kind of like explore and learn about all these different cliques that you never got to be a part of. But when you're like an outsider you you gravitate towards that you know i've always had a very it's always like jealous of people who were a part of a scene i always get i'm just like man i've always been like alone even in coming into animation i jumped from freelance to my first in-house job was american dad so and it was all such an established show and everybody who was working on that show has been working on it for you know 10 years by the time i even showed up so they're all older they've got they don't have like side projects that they're working mm. on and so i was like oh man i see all these people online who are my age making cartoons in the industry but i don't know any of them and we're not like work acquaintances and i can't i'm not gonna go out and like, get a different job just to be with people <laughs> close to my age like <laughs> well, i'm not leaving now, now we know prime time just us three know each yeah, other yeah. so that's a good step <laughs> no but no, there's something that's I really know, true to what you're saying shane because there's something okay um what you're saying about music, I relate to on the comic side, because for the longest time, I was like, I want to make comics. Comics is my first love. I went into animation because that's how I can make money with drawing. But I wish I could just make comics full time. But comics doesn't really pay the bills. And I see like, and then I saw everybody on like a bunch of people, like really, really amazing artists who also work in animation, who have like their own web comic. And I was just like, oh, if I only could be part of this little circle yeah. and they're all exhibiting at Cala not me and then I just started doing the mm. thing and then you start doing the thing and people are like hey you're doing the thing and all of a sudden you're part of the club and it's so cool and you're like yeah I made it in <laughs> oh yeah that that that, yeah. that dynamic in between yeah. um uh like being in a band and touring bands and being in a scene versus being like it sounds like what you were doing was you were being a solo artist and recording your own stuff and but like that it's easy to feel siloed like we mm. were talking about sort of like you were uh preparing to be in quarantine <laughs> from, the, yeah. from the from the beginning just in in how you were working so like um had had you been in um in bands with other musicians and and met people that way or had you always just wanted to make your own stuff and you didn't really have an interest in being in in, in bands 
Oh, I was in bands for sure, especially in high school. Nice. Um, the high school band. Yeah, we we would change our name every uh, every yeah. year. If, yeah, for freshman, sophomore, senior year, we always had different band names. Dude, it was names just the are same so three hard. guys. Dude, band I know, names. I know. That's why we kept changing it. But we would, yeah, I was in a band for sure. And then I just kind of kept recording more and more. One of the issues I had with being in a band was that I would write songs, I would record them, and then I would want to be done with them. And, you know, like a very like gutted by voices sort of way where, except I didn't want to actually memorize them and perform them live. I just wanted to move on from them. And so it's difficult to be in a band dynamic where everyone's like, are we really going to take the time to rehearse all this stuff if you're just going to throw these songs out? And, and so I would, I could not figure out how to be in a band that would just churn through songs, sure. you know? So, so I went the solo route and that's when the, it sort of became depressing because as I was getting older and I was not becoming successful at this thing I wanted so badly uh, that's when I turned to animation just as a out- creative outlet that didn't have any stress attached to it. And one of the things I realized was that songs and cartoons don't get performed live. They don't get played more than, you know, they don't get recorded more than once. They don't, no one's rehearsing cartoon songs, but you can watch them forever. And they're a part of the context of those songs make them so powerful. And I was like, oh, there's, there's potentially a venue for these one-time only songs. And that's when I started really trying to study animation. Yeah. So to, to kind of justify my songwriting process. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you have some initial um, either songs that were animated in shows or uh, animated music videos that initially inspired you in, in this way? Oh, gosh. Um, yes. Um yeah Go i mean real. the powerpuff girls the the, the <laughs> n- no actually that was a little too that was later like sure, the sure. um the actually the the fact that the powerpuff girls had the apples in stereo in like signal in the yeah. sky you know like when you're young and impressionable you're like oh who is this band they sound so cool you discover things that way uh pete and pete had the magnetic fields in it and the the theme song by Polaris was just so like yeah. da, da, da. It's just like oh yeah i remember um in in Doug like the the big song <gasps> banging or like, on a trash can or yeah banging on a trash can drumming on a street light so tight and little you, voices you do a good calling Doug me voice. calling <laughs> well, I mean, it's just basically. You, you say you're not you good at voice, voice acting, but you can do all the voices. I'm literally so jealous. I tried to do scratch voices for my short. I can do only like two voices, and they're not even that good. Well, no, yeah. me too. I mean, that was just just gum, just pitched down a little bit. You know, I'd say you can't. I, I mean, if I was like, "Hey, funny," oh, hey, Roger, you're an idiot. Oh, okay. No, I mean, screw that's, you, that's great. Doug. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I but, yeah, I remember like hey Arnold, like I saw your face and well like I, I I remember like all these different um like songs from cartoons when I was a, a kid and, and it's been forever since I saw those songs and I hardly remember other episodes, but the songs really yes. stick with you. The, yes. Oh yes. I one song that's kind of like sticks with me, um I don't even know why, but I was obsessed with this cartoon called Duckman. Um, and it was just incredible. Jason Alexander was the voice of this, you know, foul-mouthed duck. And I remember it striking me as so 
wild as a kid because they weren't afraid to end episodes sad. And I had never seen that in a cartoon before. They would just end on a sad note with no sting, no you know little thing at the end. They would just truly let you sit in it. And when you're a kid, you're like, what the heck was that? And they had like not many, and Tim Curry was in it. There's there's not many musical numbers from that, but there was one song towards the end of the series and a very specific chord progression, which I've stolen from so many times. I mean, it's like a very common one. The Beatles use it um, for um, uh, Hard Day's Night, I think. But yeah, there's, there's all sorts of like weird, random little things that one of the things I find is that the stuff that inspires me is always just slightly wrong. I mean, like, it's not quite what I wish it was. And so that's where I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like 90% of the way there. And I don't even know what there means, but it's always what drives me to make something that borrows from that thing. Where I'm like, oh, this is so, this is so close to me, but it's not me. This is close. Like, this is the closest anyone's ever gotten to me. So it's like, that's the stuff that inspires me the most, but also kind of like enrages me the most. (laughs) Yeah, one um one of the ways that I can relate to you in all of this is uh uh one of the things that I try to do as a storyboard artist. There are certain shows where there is an opportunity to pitch music with the boards, and mm-hmm. usually, I it, it's not required of me, but I'll write a demo song and I'll <sighs> either play it along with my boards, uh, or yeah, or or I'll send it you know with the boards, um. And every once in a while, most of the time it's a wasted effort and they're like, no, we're going to get a composer to do this. <laughs> but every <laughs> once in a while it works and they're like, I can't imagine this scene without that song. That's awesome. And uh, and then that's one of the few ways that animators or storyboard artists can get royalties is, 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 is a song in a show. So any chance I can, I've, I've pitched a song in Pickle and Peanut, I've pitched a song in Scooby-Doo, I've pitched a song in Apple and Onion, oh uh, uh, in, in, in a bunch of different shows, and most of the time they don't make it. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Oh, man, that's so cool. I'm so jealous of that, though. I mean, that's kind of one of those things where we were talking about, I come so late in the in everything that there's there would never be an opportunity for something like that with me. I mean, luckily I've got my own outlet, but yeah, totally jealous. That's I mean, even if you keep failing, that yeah. just the idea of that's so cool. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where you never know what you never know what could happen. You may run into a time where there was a some sort of like stock song that they sing over in a part and it's just not working for the timing. And late in the process you're like, Hey, I can fix this. Let me take an approach for the song uh before before you have the composer like redo parts of the song or whatever you need to do and potentially i think you could get a a credit i mean it doesn't hurt to ask it's kind of tough in uh in in like wga shows though like american dad and stuff because it's so yeah because like the way the writing is done but i feel like like if you ever got a gig like at Cartoon Network, that might be possible because Cartoon Network is like very flexible mm-hmm. with that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Titmouse, yeah. or one of those places where it always feels like there's certain. If it's a production where everybody is kind of getting their hands dirty, the pipeline's like a little always, looser. Yeah, yeah, that always like appealed to me. I was always kind of like, oh man, that looks cool. It's like closer to a clubhouse. Yeah, uh, way more work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but. <laughs> 
but it's just like yeah. man and, and and it's one of those things where like you know that it's it's sort of similar to like like sometimes you get a scene to, to storyboard and you have a gag that you want to pitch but you know it's going to take the scene on a little bit of a tangent you know that you know i'm going to give my full you know to my full ability to this pitch I know it's probably going to get cut, but if I if I don't pitch this joke or this idea, I'm going to regret it. So you go all the way, and then it's you know it's probably a wasted effort, but every once in a while it pays <laughs> off, and like one one out of those ten yeah. times it works. And 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 I I had uh like the, there's um an apple and onion episode where I pitched a song, and the song got in and i actually i pitched two songs and one of them didn't get in but one of so there were two separate song sections i pitched one song i wrote the song and it's a it, it's a song about that they're um they're tossing a bottle back and forth and they start making up tricks and they try to do tricks like with this bottle and they're like bottle catches our favorite game you know and and like <laughs> and i just made like a kind of like a reggaeton like sort of so, sing song thing that they do and e even though a lot of the lyrics changed the chorus remained the same and i got oh. credit with ascap and i get royalties every once in a while for that song playing on tv and and it's one of those things where like yeah i've pitched many other songs that like did not make it in and they were like sorry <laughs> dude but you know every once in a while that one gets in and you're like oh man it was worth it it's worth trying oh, to man. just throw myself out there and be vulnerable every once in a while that's so crazy every that's I so feel like, cool do you guys okay that's a question for you guys uh both of you do you like do you like having a quieter job where you do a little bit less work but you have more free time to work on your personal stuff or do you like being a hundred percent invested in your job at the even if that might mean not that much free time to work on your own shit you know, I don't think I've ever, I think I've, you know, I don't know that I've ever worked on a job that required a hundred percent to where it drained hmm. me. Um, apart, apart from early on in the industry when it needed my full faculties to just to figure out and understand timing and to do it at a rate, like to get close to full-time work, um, but I've, because I never was a board artist because I haven't like professionally directed, I've just always been the timing guy, uh, you know, and I just keep refining my craft. So it's not, I've never really had the, I hear all the time about people bummed out about how much of themselves it takes to put, you know, to put into someone else's project. And so like, I can only hear that and I'm like, ah, oh, maybe I do have it good. Because I know my craft, I know timing inside and out. Our directors are phenomenal. The board, the American Dad is boarded on model. Um, even when I have conversations with directors about fixing stuff, there's no ego involved because nobody's like, "What? What do you mean?" They're like, "Oh yeah, that's wrong. I'll, I'll get it fixed." So it's like it's very frictionless, mm -hmm. and it's very in my wheelhouse. I know what I'm doing, and so I, I that's the only kind of thing I that's the only version of professional work that I've had apart from because I didn't go to college everything before animation was all just uh I worked at Walmart I worked at Starbucks I worked at the Gap I worked at American Apparel um I worked at a call center you know so I never had creative jobs um this is like my first time having a creative job so I always kind of in the habit of there's work and your personal project, but you always have a personal project. I've never not had mm -hmm. one. 
my entire life. Like like the moment I graduated high school, there was always my my dream, what I'm doing for myself, and then what I'm doing for money, always. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I, I run into this thing that I've learned about myself <laughs> where um, I, I recognize that if I... If I... Um, stay up late working on how do i how do i phrase this if if i'm working on another show usually the way usually the way that i function is i i end up putting my own work first and then cramming in the work on the show because i know that <laughs> i can use how fast i can do it to get the work done um and yeah. and i have this habit of putting extra into the show if I have too much time, uh, mm. be just because of how I am. Mm. So, so if I put my own work first and then I do work on the show and I cram it in, I end up doing the right amount of work for what the job <sighs> should be Dude, getting yes. for, for what it's paying me for. And then mm -hmm. I'm, because if I, if I do it the other way, I'm going to spend, uh, extra time doing shit that the show doesn't need because I'm like, oh, well, like it would be cool if I made this drawing beautiful, and then, <laughs> and then, <laughs> um, and then I, you know, I'll, I'll get done late, and then I'm like, oh, well, I don't have to do my work. There's no deadline, so I'll just like maybe I'll do it tomorrow, mm -hmm. and then I end up putting it off yeah. that way. Um, and it sounds shitty to say that out loud <laughs> but but that's sort of how i work i've recognized that anytime i'm on a show i'm probably going to be putting my work first and because i'm a professional i always get my work on the show done because i know myself but i'm going to be i'm going to be working on my stuff which is why i've tried to make it make uh, an extra push towards making my work my own stuff whenever yeah. I can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've had so many mo It's so funny because I've wrestled with that, with the, not imposter syndrome, but I'll, I'll go through phases where I'm like, oh man, I don't, I'm doing a bad job. But I like, but that's just an internal feeling. Like I'm actually doing a really good job. It's just, I, I it's hard to explain. But yeah, when you approach stuff, making it secondary, you, first of all, you, you save a lot of your mental health. Um, because then, you know, you have no ego wrapped up in your day job, which is as it should be. Your ego is wrapped up in your failing personal mm -hmm. project, which is, you know, genius. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, I do the exact same thing essentially where I'm like, okay, if I wake up before I start work and I do this, I get my morning hours dedicated to my own project. That's when I'm like freshest or things like that. But I definitely, it's, every once in a while I'll be like, I feel like I'm doing a bad job. And then I'll go mm -hmm. back and double check my work, you know, double check the work that I feel like guilty about. And I'm like, oh no, I, I nailed all of this. This is great. I just was in a negative mindset. Yeah. It's well, very, yeah. It's well, when you do it for long enough, you start realizing that you at 60% is still good enough for mm -hmm. that show. If you, if you've been working for, for 10 years on a show or on in this industry, you recognize that like, like, Oh, like I, like I can hand in a, a piece of passable work that, you know, it's still inspired. It's still got the jokes at the end of the day, the thing that takes the longest, which is the drawing part. I 
you know, I, I can bust out and it's passable and, uh, and it's fine and and it fi- it's yeah. fine and it works. And it, you know, like I, I, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's hard to get past that, like proving yourself stage where like you're, you're <laughs> you give everything to your work and, and, and it takes up all of your free time. But, uh, once you mm-hmm. get there, I mean, yeah, you, you should be able to find time for your own art. I think in my opinion. I think that's important. It's so funny what you said sean because i literally had like a um conversation like that recently where basically um because like the learning curve is so real like also what you said shane is that when you start at the beginning of your career you have to like a hundred percent of your time goes into the job because you're learning so much and you have to be on the same level as people who've been doing it for like a bunch of years but then Mm -hmm. you kind of learn or at least I kind of learned after that, that this, this was always the amount of time I needed to put in the job. And so it becomes very difficult because you're like, oh, I've, in order to be, in order to be at the level I need to be, I need to like put in so much time. But then it's like, you have to unlearn putting that amount of time. And then you have to learn being like, actually, I'm, I'm really good now. And I, and the stuff that took me like I don't know, sixty hours before. Now I can just do it in thirty hours, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. a there's a difference between getting the job done and making a portfolio piece yeah. to get yourself hired for your next job. And usually, the way that I handle that is I I'm like, okay, there's there's a if there's if there's a section of this board where I'm like, I want this to look beautiful. It'd be nice for that to be in my future demo reel or whatever. I'll maybe I'll I'll do that and then the rest will just be it'll be fine. I'll ju- I'll just make it fine and and passable, but but uh being careful about where you put that condensed energy um when when you don't when it doesn't need to be there necessarily. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That's another thing too is that I don't have a portfolio. You know, with timing, timing is so obscure that I don't keep any of my timing yeah. from previous shows, you know, and I've never, I mean, it's, it sounds weird to say, but you usually don't interview for a timing position. It's usually reference based and they just kind of have to trust that, you know, your, your stuff because they can look at sheets and be like, I guess this is right. Yeah, most people you know, don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to you imagine, make that blind call. I'm trying to imagine yeah. one of those like old fast, like, like, like one of those physical portfolios with the clear sheets and like, you, you, you take it to a job fair and it's just all timing sheets, like just completely abstract. <laughs> it just looks like like sheet music. <laughs> and just, yeah. And, 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 and well, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and like and studios kind of do like I've gotten job offers at the end of the first interview. They meet me and they're like, hey, would you like the position? I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, because you can't you just kind of have to trust that they you know your stuff. And that's part of also why I like to have my own project. Mm is it just proves, and also the characters are designed based on 2D timing. The eyes are flat, the mouths are just shapes that are popping on and off. So I'm just using like a 2D workflow in the 3D environment for all of the stuff that is important to Western animation, which is the eyes, the expression, the lip assignment, and some basic acting poses. Um, but the the time, having a project that shows that I know, that I have a specific style of timing just kind of makes me feel more comfortable. It's like mm-hmm. that way, you know what my timing style is. You know, it's very kind of like uh, I'm now very prime time influenced uh, for better or for worse. I just like things tighter and tighter, especially after watching, you know, other shows that are either overboarded or mm. where the timing is just very flowy and very 
just like, oh, nothing's being held. You can't read any key poses. Like you can see one of the things, one of my pet peeves, I, I don't want to be too cynical because I hate being cynical, but one of my pet peeves is when you're watching like a cartoon and you just watch six keyframes go by in just like a blink and none of them are held because the timer only has time to go from pose to pose to pose to pose with no held frames. But you're like, wow, there was like six boards in that little sequence. And you can tell when a keyframe is there, even when it's just an in-between, because you can tell though that was supposed to be held at some point. That was supposed to be held. Mm -hmm. You know, in the animatic, you could probably, the animatic was probably just all these keyframes popping, you know, pop, pop, pop. That's, yeah. That's all time. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Oh, shoot. I was gonna ask something and I forgot. Um, Something with, animation probably no yeah chugum i wanted to ask something about chugum and i was just like and yeah. yes tiktok okay i um i oh, do yeah. i kind of want to talk about tiktok a little bit because that's kind of how that's where you yeah. got big and i kind of want to know yeah. what your relationship to tiktok is like how did you start posting on it what was your whole what's what's the whole story it was sk- it was scary and it was weird. So I got on TikTok in like 2018, 2019, like right, like right after it was called Musically mm-hmm. before that. Um, but this was right after the the brand change. And I was desperate to get eyes on what I was making because I've always, for whatever reason, I've always struggled to not just find an audience, but just to get views of the stuff that I'm yeah. making. You know, it's 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 tough um and whatever platform i was using was just never working out and so i installed tiktok on my phone in like 2018 2019 i think and uh, on a whim and it was so scary and confusing looking and i just uploaded one of my cartoons even though nobody was posting animation on there this was back when it was all just people mm. but i was so desperate i was like i'm just going to like put a cartoon on here and all of a sudden it got like 40,000 views and I was like holy cow that's no one has ever seen my that much of my animation before Mm -hmm. and I was just learning blender and it was just like months in and I made this little I'll post it on Twitter after the end of this so people can kind of see my progression but I just I recorded some dialogue on my cell phone just saying happy birthday to you happy birthday to you and it was just I animated a stick just saying that a stick with a mouth to practice blender and it got a million views <laughs> in, 20, in 2019 you know and a million views in 2019 i'm like oh my god i i should capitalize on this because all of a sudden there's like yeah. tens of thousands of people following me with, so with I view inflation <laughs> considering view inflation in, in 2019 i know i know i know the it, economics it's nothing now views. It's, yeah, TikTok is nothing. Like now, it's like, it used to be that a million views on a cartoon would get you like tens of thousands of followers. And now it's like not even. Yeah, like, you used to get offered most a of show my... back then for a million views. <sighs> I, I, I know. I watched so many animators blow past me in popularity. And I'm just like, oh man, like why not? But it was, so I, cap- I tried to capitalize on that by just making like a pink version of it with uh, more elaborate eyes and then like a mouth. And then I tried voicing it with uh, one of my mics instead of, but yeah, I just, I tried to capitalize on that. I made like a pink stick with a mouth and eyes. And then I, and then that video also got like a million views. Um, And so I just kept doing it. I kind of started, it started by practicing Blender and also by chasing views, which ended up biting me in the ass because then when you're chasing trends and you're doing stuff just to 
in hopes of gaining an audience, you never really get an audience. Yeah. Um, but I was, it was always too, it was always twofold because I was trying to learn something. So I didn't really put too much stock into it. But, uh, but yeah, it was very interesting to be a part of, and then TikTok became, and then I would show my coworkers and they'd be like, oh, cool, neat. Nobody had TikTok installed. Nobody knew what it mm. was, you know? So the fact that I was getting views was kind of like, they were, they were happy for me, but definitely didn't fully understand what was happening. And then it took years for TikTok to become, like, especially at the start of the pandemic. Mm. Well, not the start of the pandemic, but I feel like a year in is when it became just huge, just whatever it is now. Um, and so I kind of just kind of got to ride on that. Like it's like a, a legacy creator on there. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, I, I, I'm interested in kind of like all of what you're saying also because um, I saw in a post that you made recently that you felt like it was kind of harder to get views now. Like, do you, how do you feel that? How Because I feel like your content has stayed exactly the same quality. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, um, not I mean, so, I mean this in a positive way. Like, you haven't let your content quality go down. Like, it's you're still putting out something really, really good. And uh, do you feel? I don't know. Do you have any? I like insights on the oh. algorithm on the on the platform. Do you care about TikTok? I you know I, I care in the sense of I want to make something that gets mm. seen because I'm not I'm not a fine artist. I am far more if 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 between artist and entertainer, if that was a spectrum, I definitely feel like I lean more towards mm -hmm. entertainer. So if I don't, you know, if I'm if I'm playing to an empty room, there's only so many years mm -hmm. of that you can take before you're like, well, what's the point? You know, and being a songwriter before I was an animator and like a failed kind of songwriter, um, after, you know, decades of, of just like little bits and pieces of hints of uh, inspiration or people listening, you, um, you, you, you try to cling to it when you get it. But I, I have noticed, I mean, the stuff that I've been doing now is definitely not, I don't know, it's, it's very confusing. I don't know. It's, if you make stuff that's formatted for TikTok, it might do well, but nothing will ever go beyond TikTok. Mm. So it's sort of a dead end. And it's not, no matter how many, uh, so like I reposted that Dean Apple origin story, that cartoon that you posted mm -hmm. on Twitter. And I reposted it two years after I made it. And it again got like 1.5 mm. million views, you know, like it's, and I posted it on Instagram two years later and it got like half a million um, but everything else I post doesn't. So that's very much like, I'm almost like a micro version of a one hit wonder where that song resonated that with song people. That song is just, but everything it's just else, so it's good like, because I think you just kind of captured like, I was wondering about that song, how you kind of like uh, came about it because it kind of captures the thing where like you have this wizard and this wizard is almost kind of like, is is chugum and is like an allegory for like the artist or like you know like the entertainer or like somebody who's like a special talent or skill and they end up being used by the king for nefarious purposes uh and the king can be like an allegory or a metaphor for like you know the capitalism and i think a lot of people are just kind of seeing that they're like like they, they can feel it and you have like this really really re i don't know you you wrote this line and i'm like damn that's like I don't know that's clever like when he um the king goes uh just so that they yeah don't, it's like uh, oh yeah yeah so that they can't tell 
Yeah, so that they're not hungry, so that they yeah. can't tell. And I, well, what are you implying? That's so good. That's like, I think that's like, oh, fuck, I, I watched that video and I got that chill. Like, god damn it, you know, you put into words a feeling that a lot of people can feel in this, like, late-stage capitalism kind of... That is definitely... You know, I don't... I don't... I never start with a, a theme or ulterior mm. motive... Because that would, you know, it would be too preachy. It definitely was never meant to be anything like that other than something silly. But then I let the lyrics kind of like guide me through the story. And honestly, that was also an exercise in and of itself because I've, like I was saying, I've read every songwriting book in existence. um, But I've also, I have my own rhyming dictionary that I wrote. Like every word in the English language I rewrote into a personalized rhyming dictionary based on the songs that I would like to mm. sing versus songs that I would never sing, even though they hmm. rhyme. Wow. Um, Interesting. It's, and it's just a very quick way for me to know that every single word I'm looking at in this rhyming dictionary organized by letter um, is just words that I know I'd feel comfortable singing. Like the word simple example is like the word scarf. I'll never want to sing the word scarf, even though it rhymes with barf. Um, it just doesn't, I just have no use for it. So I'll never want to sing it. So I just omit it from my rhyming mm. dictionary. So I never even have to look at it. It's like, you know, it's just like, I don't need it. I don't mm. need that word. It's like, it's like that thing <laughs> in, um, uh, in Sherlock where he like, doesn't know the planet's names because he's like, there's, why would I need to know the planet's names? Like, there's not any murders about planets, but he's like a genius about yeah. everything else. That's, that's very interesting that you just have a gut feeling about like, scarf <laughs> i would never write a thing about scarf <laughs> like well it's also the way it sounds in my mouth you know and the way my the timbre of my voice is you know there's there's so, so many songwriters especially from like the 40s and 50s who talk about how you can't use certain words because the stressed vowel is just like too weak or something like that you know they have their own version of these weird rules that guide you and i love restrictions like that but with this song the danger apple origin story song i had just updated my rhyming dictionary to include feminine rhymes which is the um like where the the rhyme is on the secondary uh stressed vowel which is um instead of the primary one so the song ends on what are you implying make them so happy they don't know they're dying mm. And that was the first time I'd included, I was like, it was just a thought exercise or an exercise in how to start incorporating feminine rhymes into my songwriting. Because before then it was all like masculine. And I'm just saying masculine and feminine because that's what they're called in like, you know, books. Like the stressed syllables, the secondary stress rhyming is considered feminine. So or whatever, is, but... is that um, like to, to you, that's like, like getting into like your own like personal theory building and like world building of your own song structure that's almost like like a an offshoot separate part of a hobby from songwriting i mean i know i know it's within songwriting and and it suits your world but do you have other little like like hobby sort of things that you split off from that we have that we don't know about that like because that's a very interesting i've never known anybody that's rewritten a rhyming dictionary <laughs> to, to try to like, <laughs> that, that sounds like the kind of tangent that like a lot of people take when they're like, okay, I'm going to write a cartoon. Oh, but before I write this cartoon, I have to create this whole uh, world about this. Uh, you know, they're drinking a Coke bottle, but I don't want it to be Coke. I want it to be this whole backstory behind this, 
Coca, this new version of Coke that is, you know, this own world that I create. And like, and then like they get back to their story a week later, <laughs> like because they've yeah, gone on yeah. this tangent, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, a lot of that kind of comes from the fact that I came to animation late in life. Like I wasn't a professional animator until I was 30, you know? So I had all of my 20s to like this whole other world. Um, I do, I like programming. I like, it started out as game dev because of Unreal Engine, because Unreal Engine is, you know, it's a game engine, but using it for animation, you can't help but learn game dev, which made me want to start learning programming and coding. And so I've, I've done like a fair bit of coding and learning to code and, and trying to learn how to code. When I first moved to New York, I gave like a live coding performance. There's this thing called live coding, which is where you're co you code music live on stage uh, naturally. And it's, it's software that is, is code driven, but it'll generate music dynamically. And you can choose the notes, the rhythms, the drums, and all of this stuff. And there's actually, uh, there's a post of it, what I created on Instagram, but I was like coding that music live. Huh. Is, and, is, uh, so that's, do you feel like that's a little, it, would you draw a parallel with like DJing or is that a completely different thing? Uh, it's no, it's, it's similar. It, it can be similar um, because a lot of the, the music that comes out of coding is very uh, techno-y mm. sounding. Um, what, what are those, um, what are those synths that people build where they build a wall of synths and it, and, and it generates like uh walls of sequential sounds and arpeggios i'm trying to remember what 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 that's called it, it reminds me of a coding version of of that it's very much like that you can totally yeah when you if you want to create an arpeggio you would code like an array you mm -hmm. know and then have the array cycle through a scale like a c scale but then you would choose like c major or c lydian or something have you have you thought of um cuz i've never seen this have, have have you thought of live streaming something like that? I don't know if you still dabble in that at all, but that's that's well, very it interesting. Was kind of a what ended up happening was that I ended up writing a narrative, and if you uh, where the music was the background to a to a short story that I narrated, and it was a parody of Frog and Toad, mm. and I actually had Frog and Toad kind of like I used like the chewing gum voices for it because I didn't really, you know, I'm not a voice actor, but you keep what, saying I, what, I, what I learned from <laughs> that, but we, we created like little pamphlets, little short stories um, of the, these frog and toad parodies and passed them around to the audience and had the audience follow along as I read through with the coded music. So my, the takeaway wasn't really to pursue more live coded music. So more than it was that I, everything I kind of dabble with, I always try to inject a narrative so it's like, mm -hmm. my takeaway wasn't, you know, it's like I love code. Uh, part of the reason why I even enjoy game dev at all isn't the idea of making like a fun game. It's free story time, if that makes sense. Like it's a, a means to an end a, for tell, telling, yeah. focusing on the thing that you uh, want to be doing yeah. as a story, I guess, yeah? Yeah, I guess so. But because it's like a two-minute cartoon could be a 30-minute game with 30-second yeah. cutscenes sure. sprinkled throughout it. And you're creating like a whole new level of, so that was kind of my takeaway from it. Is your, was is your, like, sorry, oh, sorry, no, no, continue. Mm. Oh, no, that was it. Oh, no, I, I was, I was just going to ask is, is your rhyming dictionary a program that you made? 
Oh, no, it's it's written, it was, um, originally I, my first version was written by mm-hmm. hand on notebook paper that I just stapled together by letter. Um, the latest version was written in Excel and then printed out. I lost the Excel files, so my last, my second version, second edition, is like the only hard copy I have, and it's all beat up, And but if I, if I lost it, I'd be very sad. But yeah, no, it was all done by hand. I went through, I bought like basically every rhyming dictionary that I could find um, that existed and kind of synthesized them and then pulled away what I didn't that's want so cool. from all of them. That's oh. so interesting. Yeah, I feel like, oh, that's so cool. I don't know. I, I think, I don't know. It's just really interesting the way you think about things and the way you kind of like like create these tools for yourself because I feel like at the end of the day, that's a huge part of creating as well. Like like finding a pipeline and a tool mm. and something that works for you, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, like learning different, you're, it's like you're learning different instruments mm. each time you are learning, you're learning a different instrument to tell your story, whether it's an actual instrument or whether it's coding or whether it's Blender or whether it's Unreal or whether yeah. it's TikTok or, yeah, that's interesting. It's true. And, you know, it's like you also have to kind of pick which instruments not to learn because they're too similar to ones you already play. Like yeah. if you want to learn guitar the next phase learning banjo isn't really going to be as helpful as learning mm-hmm. harmonica because guitar and harmonica complement each other better than, well, I mean, it's subjective, but you pick and choose what you want to learn. And I feel like it's so funny. Uh, v, you were saying, I don't know, two hours ago <laughs> that um, by the time you were learning blender, everybody was raving about unreal mm-hmm. engine. And I, when I got into unreal engine, I was like, this is it. This is my last mm-hmm. big thing that I am capable of learning. And I, I don't know about you guys, but like, I feel like as I get older, it gets harder and harder to learn. Mm. And I feel like I, I don't know if I have the energy. Like this, I'm so grateful that I know enough, as much 3D as I do now, because I feel like I, I don't have to worry about learning it ever again. Like I know enough, you know, about about modeling and yeah. texturing and normals and vertices. And I'm like, okay, cool. And rigging. I think it's all a function um, of time for me. I feel it's just like, honestly, that's kind of, <laughs> yeah. cause I mean, I love storyboarding and I, I love this job, but oh, God damn it. It's so time consuming. And it's like when I storyboard, I can't do anything else except like watch a documentary or listen to music or like, but I can't when I storyboard, it just takes so much time. And I mean, I've been like writing a lot more and I love writing because I, I can't be like writing when I'm like walking around. I can do other stuff. I can be like unloading the dishwasher or anything, but I can't listen to a documentary, so I can't keep learning while I'm writing. So there's a little bit of that time yeah, yes. is so limited with these crafts. Um, well, I, I think there's a difference in between learning for like uh, being able to get your next job mm-hmm. and learning for what you want your creative process to be. And and for me, like I've stumbled for the most part across a a way that I function making shorts with pro with certain programs that I like. And I'm like, if it's not broke, I don't need to fix it. But I recognize that it's possible that uh, there'll be a job that comes up where I'm like, okay, I need to learn this other program. And that feels different than changing my whole creative process for no reason to learn some new thing. 
If it's for you, like I, I posted on Twitter, like I built a harmony rig and made a whole cartoon in harmony using like a rig based system. And I didn't do that for a job. I've never worked on a harmony based show. I mean, I use harmony. I've used bento box uses harmony for their timing for their shows, but they're still traditionally animated shows. But my initial reason for learning harmony, especially rigging was like, Hey, what if I get a job, you know, on like a rig based show, I can use my timing skills and my rig based rig building skills. Um, but I ended up just not enjoying the workflow enough to keep making my own stuff in that. And then I fell back on Blender and fell back on 3D. But I think if I had uh, just tried to... So I, I've tried that, tried multitasking to learn something. But the moment I, I realized it wasn't something I actually cared that much about, I just didn't keep up with my skills in it. Because it's like, what's the point of like trying to keep abreast of projects or work or software that potentially could lead to a job if you're not that passionate yeah. about it yeah i think it's like yeah i just i do think 3d is just so cool though because it's just so versatile like you can see people like you know like like where the kids or like you and you guys can like do like full little i mean i don't know i see the the, the finished short and i'm like this is so awesome i wish i could do this oh and you know it looks like it was easy to do but you probably spend a million hours on it <laughs> oh yeah i mean and like I've had uh, every, the reason I, the last episode I made is technically the last episode if the Kickstarter doesn't get funded because I've been only sleeping six days a week since I started the Kickstarter because it requires a full all-nighter one day a week to be able to make these cartoons and have a full-time job. And it, that's, I mean, it would be, I would be willing to go through that if the audience mm. was there, you know, and the support was there. But I can't, I was like, okay, I can't keep doing this for 800 views on YouTube. Like, I can't yeah. just just be like, oh, I'm not going to sleep every Saturday yeah. for the next, like, <laughs> like no, it that's takes a toll on you. Yeah. And it, it's, it's really, yeah, yeah, I was going to, I'm so glad that you brought up the Kickstarter again, because I did want to talk about the Kickstarter and what it's like kickstarting an indie project. By the way, uh, anybody who's in, uh, who's listening right now. Shane's Kickstarter is still going. Uh, make sure to check it out. It's in the replies of the um, this live event. Um, but yeah, like, because so tell us a little bit how much planning you do before starting the Kickstarter and how much work it is on a week, let's say a weekly basis to maintain the Kickstarter. So I don't... You know, it's different if it involved lots of people, but because it's just mm -hmm. me with my partner helping out with a lot of stuff, we kind of, we did, we went piecemeal with it. We thought, we went in knowing it was kind of, well, we went in not knowing it was going to fail, but we went in telling ourselves mm -hmm. that it would fail and that it was like a doomed from the start. And that kind of helps keep the pressure off. You know, you're not stressed about it because you're like, this is going to fail no matter what. Which, side note, when it does fail, even if you're planning on it, it mm -hmm. still bums you out. <laughs> so it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't save you any emotional, you know, <laughs> terror. But so we went in very casually. Um, we just studied a lot of other Kickstarters to see what they were doing and what they were offering um, and what I was capable of offering people as far as like rewards go because I didn't want to end up in a situation where the Kickstarter was all about making content that had nothing to do with the cartoon mm. as rewards for just cartoon being created because I was like I the point of this was so that I could spend my hiatus because I, I you guys know that you usually only work on a show for like nine months out of the year 10 mm -hmm. months out of the year and then you either go on unemployment or you find another job and I was like if I could 
make enough money to survive a hiatus and dedicate all this time just to this, perfect. But I didn't want to overpromise anything uh, beyond like digital sort of stuff. So it was very, it wasn't, um, it wasn't that time consuming. Um, it did, it was, it was stressful though. A lot of back and forth of making it look good and making it look professional. And we had, when we, we had, we set a date for it, like a pre-launch date. And during that pre-launch date, there was like people from Indiegogo who contacted us trying to poach us for their website. And they made a lot of promises. We actually had like a Zoom meeting with Indiegogo and they were like, hey, we'll, we'll do this for you. We'll do this for you if you take it down. And I was like, looking at Indiegogo's website, I just didn't care for it, the way it looked. Mm. And it was impossible to, it was impossible to navigate to failed projects. Whereas on Kickstarter, Chew Gum will be on there mm. forever. And people will always, people will always get to see that it was labeled a project we love. They'll always get to see how much funding we raised um, and they'll always get to watch the episodes that were created through the mm -hmm. campaign. So it's like, it's there, you know, even if it fails, it'll look cool. So that was kind of, so honestly, I mean, it was not that I went in with it half-assing it, but if you go, I just went in casually because maybe I'll do it again someday. Mm. But, but when you do that, you know, it's, yeah, I don't know. It just was. I, does that answer it? I feel like, <laughs> like I kind of I lost I lost the thread well, a little well, bit. I'm you, staying how do you at think this about your rewards because I'm assuming mm -hmm. that you're not you're not doing a like like okay if you subscribe to the Patreon oh it'll it'll be like oh buy a trash two trash cans to separate the shit from the shit. Thank you, Naruto fan sixty nine, and it's and and like it's in their name is in the. Sure. <laughs> the well, um, the what the the there's a tier where you definitely be credited as like a thank you, and then there's like a producer tier and stuff like that. I have no problem crediting people at the end of each episode, um, and there totally was a tier of a songwriting collaboration and having uh, being able to be a voice in an episode oh, nice. where we would work back and forth. Yeah, we kind of like the the because the it was such a high amount. It was like 700 bucks or something. Um, but I was like, if somebody really wants to invest that much money into like the project and believes in it, they should be allowed to have some fun with me. We can chat about it and collaborate a bit. And you know, if they have a song idea, I'll do it. Like, what do I care? Like, is it's, it's easy to go. There's so many silly crap songs. That's kind of part of the premise of the show is just how many absurd songs there are. Like the, it vacillates between real songs and joke songs. So like there was a song about giving up and failing. And then the song before that was a song about uh, little ghosts eating through the mm. sheet hole. You know, it's just about a ghost not being able to eat food because it didn't have a hole in the mouth for the sheet. And so the chorus is just little ghost eating through the sheet mm. hole. So it's, so, I, you know, I'm not like, I'm controlling in a sense, but not so controlling that mm -hmm. I wouldn't create rewards where people could totally be involved, you know, totally shout out their family if they really wanted to. Um, I just didn't want to do physical yeah. objects. Sure, sure. I wanted it all to, I wanted everything to be kind of focused on the fact that people cared about the cartoon being made. Um, so that was yeah, that of, makes a lot of sense. I feel like uh, sometimes I, yeah. from promising physical rewards is uh is really 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 hard because it's costly. It takes time and uh yeah. So I think going full digital is yeah. uh is really smart. Um, I wonder if like can you tell us a little bit about how you approached the um 
advertising of it all? Because I mean, I'm asking also because with my personally with my webcomic, uh, I do feel like I, I have to advertise uh, like my Kofi and like all of these different things that I'm doing on the side just to tell people, hey, if you enjoy my content, please um, consider supporting me so then I can make more of the content for you, <laughs> uh, by the way. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I, well, um, part of it was, and I, I guess I got some criticism for this, but part of it was taking like a short episode that I had just created, uh, breaking it up into parts and then having like a, an overlay advertising the Kickstarter over the end of like some dialogue on some clips that were like formatted vertically for, um, TikTok and Instagram and things like that. And I tried, I, I wish I had the strength and the wherewithal to do this all the time, but there was a couple of shorts where I actually filmed them vertically and in HD, uh, two of them specifically, so that they were formatted for reels or mm. TikToks um, with, while I had, you know, adjusting the composition for the different camera uh, resolution without you know, showing the boundaries of the world and stuff like that, which is a lot of effort because you're like basically kind of directing something twice yeah. and then re-rendering yeah. it twice. And, yeah. um, and so, I, so I tried that, but, but there wasn't any like marketing marketing. It was more just, I was, I truly, I mean, part of the reason why it's failing, I think, or is going to fail or, or whatever is, um, is the fact that I kind of just kept making episodes hoping that if I made more episodes, people would watch it and be like, oh, this is what it is. This is where it's heading. I want to keep seeing where it's heading. Mm. Uh, as opposed to trying any kind of marketing gimmicks or any kind of pleading. Um, it just, I, it's not the way to go because it's not working out. <laughs> but I, I, you know, it's, it, this is such a learning process that I'm so, I'm so burnt out on failure, but I am very, very proud to have this failure under my belt. You know, like I, I appreciate you being so candid about it and like talking like about what it's like having Kickstarter and like the kind of, cause I think, you know, like we all kind of think about doing it at some point, like, you know, obviously cause you know, when you're a passionate creator, you're like, I wish I could just have more time to, to work on my project. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, and no, that's, I, I think it's just really, really interesting. Cause there's like all of these different aspects that go into it. Um, uh, by the way, and then there's like, the emotional aspect yeah. of, of, of like dealing with like, um, like if, I mean, it, and, and this isn't even necessarily just for like the Patreon or Kickstarter route. This is like when you make something and post it online, and it doesn't go viral or whatever. Like every time you do right. that, there's a small, um, there's like a talking yourself down mm -hmm. uh, that happens within you every time. That's 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 oh, like, yeah. oh, it'll be the next one. Oh, like it's not necessarily me. Maybe it was just a bad day to post it. Oh, like maybe it just didn't get caught by the algorithm and swept up. Like who knows? Maybe it's oh, out of my yeah. control. <laughs> you know? It's so it's such a nightmare. I remember one time I posted a video where I was like. It didn't go anywhere, and I was like, "Oh, I added too much reverb on the dialogue." Yeah, and that's I'm why. Gonna, yeah, like, that's why. <laughs> no, no, no here, here's what's crazy. No, no, that's what's that's what's so messed up was that I took I turned like the reverb down, then reposted it. I was like, "It's failing anyway," and then it got over a million views, and I was like, "Did I do something, or did I not do something? Like, was that me or not?" And you know, it 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 is tough 
it is tough because when you when stuff doesn't get watched, you feel like it's people not resonating with you, with what you with who you are. And you're like, oh shit, people don't like me. They don't like what I have to say. Not enough to actually watch or go somewhere and see yeah. it. And so it's like there was it's so funny, it, it, not to get too real, but there was a very there's a time where I was worried that I was sort of like bipolar, you know, had like these mental issues because you go from these insane highs to these incredible lows every single project and no matter how um removed you are from the project no matter how small the project is you're like i'm just gonna make this this is just for fun it's gonna fail i'm gonna move on and then you you still go through the emotional roller coaster even when you don't intend to and it wasn't until i heard other well i was just gonna say like before you the only was the moment i heard other people talking about this insane emotional roller coaster that they couldn't control i was like okay i'm not crazy it's just a yeah 100 yeah i was gonna say like uh definitely not crazy but <laughs> just because i relate to what you're saying it's like i think we i don't know i feel like i don't know if you're a creator and you're posting online you're you're you probably love emotional chaos <laughs> there is a part of you <laughs> what, what he's trying to say is we're all mentally ill and you are crazy but <laughs> We're we're mentally <sighs> ill together, and we all have issues, and that's okay. <laughs> I think I don't know. Yeah. I'm just saying because what no, just you know, wait, yeah, you you. I know you are, but I think there's a part of truth to it, and I think it's kind of nice to be talking about it because I don't know, like, why else are we doing it? You know what I mean? It's like I mean, we 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 do it because we love it, but we but like you said, Shane, and I think you said something that's very very important, very true, and something that I really resonate with is that I don't identify with a high like fine artist you know i am i identify with an entertainer yeah. and i want people to read or watch or listen to what i'm doing because else it i, I might it might as well not exist it's like i'm doing it for others uh also yeah yeah for yeah. sure for sure so yeah that yeah it's yeah i i think that's really that's really cool that's really interesting um yep you're hashing it out on creative block everybody um no this is this is (laughs) it's good and and the thing is the thing about like we're talking about like feeling you know like whether or not your kickstarter goes through like i i already like the mindset that you have that like you you did something and if if it is a you know like what other people might describe as a, a failure like and that could happen to anybody <laughs> uh like it's still something that you tried and that you learned from and if you do again maybe you know a different route to go or i mean we've all had we've all taken big hits in uh, in the industry especially putting ourselves out there mm-hmm. pitching projects like uh, the the v and i both know a, a very similar feeling uh to 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 this kind of thing happening whether it goes through or not but the thing that you can look at is um like right now there's 137 people that have given money to your project mm-hmm. and that's nothing to and that and that's nothing to sneeze yeah. at that's fucking sick and whether or not yeah. it goes all the way through or not that's that's not nothing that's that's a cool yeah. thing mm-hmm. It, it yeah uh, no totally I, I i hopefully i didn't come across as ungrateful no, 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 because no it's no, so no. because it's it's so exciting and it's so this is the most 
connection I've ever felt to other people while creating my own thing. Like it just like the a video getting a million views doesn't create like the same mm -hmm. connection that I feel now with this project. So even if you could arguably on paper say that chew gum is like the least quote unquote popular thing I've ever put online, it's the closest I've ever felt to the people who are watching it. And I'm like, oh, this, this is closer to what I was looking for. This is definitely a step in the right direction. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting, like, like if, because um, with, with something like this, it's, it's very possible that the idea in some other packaged format would have a completely different effect. I mean, like, like the, the difference in between posting a you know, a video on TikTok that's like a three minute video versus trying to figure out a way to separate all those gags and make each each one a 15 second video that's like very short <laughs> and easy to digest. Like those, the way that those are approached or seen by that social media may be like worlds, worlds apart. And you, you never know like, you know, what you could try the next time and 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 learn from through this process so i'm either way i'm yeah. i'm proud of you for putting yourself out there um if you guys are listening the kickstarter is not over yet there, yeah there's there's still there's still yeah, time yeah. there's still time to give if you if you dig shane and you and you dig the the vibe of the the project there's awesome animations on the on the kickstarter and uh you know it's a uh, it, it's fun to help someone uh live out their dream of making things full time and we at creative block uh, support that because yeah. we do that too. we do that too and it's like and you know sometimes it's like if you don't have money that's that's not a problem you can always support creators by interacting with their content easy ways to interact with their content mm, is mm -hmm. you uh, can share you can like share comment. and like and comments yeah. go such a long way it's not just for the algorithm but it's really for the creator like somebody taking like a, a couple like seconds to type out a comment on something you created it's like it's so nice as a creator it's like it almost oh, it feels yeah great. it feels almost better than money <laughs> oh yeah yeah well and and dms yeah. too i've never gotten a dm that i haven't replied to so because people always people don't dm because they think everyone's getting slammed with dms but i'm not direct message yeah. me say something say that it resonates with you i don't yeah i never hear it enough do it. It's never a bother. It never feels yeah. weird. It's always awesome. Yeah, like yeah, like people caring about yeah, you know, like showing that you care about the yeah. art goes such a long way. It goes such a long way. Do you guys wanna? Um, I think this is um, yeah. the maybe the end of uh, this creative block. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we went for a long. We went for a long time. Yeah, We're, we we we've yeah. really gone over what we normally go, but. I, I think that sometimes when we do the live format, when you go longer, it gives more people a chance to hop in, and uh, and I'm oh, happy yeah, to do it. Oh yeah, that's true. Oh, me too. I, this is so. I'm so glad you guys did this and reached out to me. You guys are so cool. This is like the. I never get to talk about high level creative projects and stuff like with other people who are working on equally massive like personal projects yeah. so it's very yeah it's just really awesome oh, you guys are thanks. so cool i love i love talking yeah. about i love talking about creating it's fun yeah you know and it, and it, it yeah it creates yeah. that sense of community and that you know sometimes it can be you're on your own and you're doing your stuff all by yourself and it's nice to know that you're not alone 
And and for those of you that are listening that maybe um, missed the first part, the first part was uh, super interesting, and we, we, we went through drawing a bunch of poses, and Shane uh, labeled the way that um, that he would label on American Dad the, the timing sheets for how to time the poses and the lip sync. And uh, there, there's a super amazing, insightful um, section at the beginning that um, th- this episode eventually is, is going to be edited and where's it gonna be uh it's gonna be on youtube so uh we're gonna release this episode of creative block with shane curry on youtube um this is probably gonna be a couple months from now but in the meantime check out our youtube channel we have over 100 episodes where we talk with um animation professionals from you know showrunner to um color designer to uh writers anything um that any craft basically so uh, definitely encourage all of y'all on the um, Twitter space to check out our YouTube channel. Obviously, you know, follow Sean, Shane, and myself, as well as Creative Block on Twitter. And, uh, you I- know, um, because we do the Creative Block Twitter, we ask for creative prompts and uh, drawing prompts and questions to ask our guests for the future episodes, uh, because we do record an episode once a week. Uh, we release an episode once a week. Um, and uh, we couldn't do that without our amazing editor, Clements. Uh, she makes us sound smarter than we actually are, and she makes the episodes shorter than they need to, <laughs> than they are when we record them. And um, amazing. Yeah, you know how video adds 10 pounds? Uh, audio, after ran through by Clem, <laughs> I'm like, uh, I'm an athlete when <laughs> by audio standards. Um, after she gets done with it oh i do have one final question for you and i can't believe that we didn't ask it because it's the name of the show oh that's right Um, that's right how when you're stumped and you uh don't know what's right if you're if you're feeling like a big dum-dum if you're like um i forget how to sing whatever what do you do to get past creative block Oh, this is such a cool one. So um, I get past creative block by not being creative at all. <laughs> like <laughs> what I actually, I end up doing is I, I kind of have like this emotional breakdown where I just tell myself that I'm giving up on whatever I'm working on. Like I try to try to treat it as real as possible as if I'm truly giving up walking away from the project. And even if I, cause I've, I've quote unquote given up on everything I've ever tried, but then I always go back and nobody knows that I gave up cause it was all secretly internal, but I go through that turmoil. Then I go through an education phase where I just tell myself that I'm just going to start, I'm going to spend the next half a year of my life learning something. And so I'll pick a subject. Usually it's related to what I'm doing. You know, it's like game dev or coding or anything. And I'll just watch, I'll start with YouTube videos. Then I'll buy like some used books on Amazon. And sometimes I'll go through like weeks of just forcing myself like oh fairy tales last time i had a huge creative block i decided i was going to study fairy tales so i got books on fairy tales from every culture like russian japanese chinese um irish and then books on fairy tale theory by like students of young and things like that and i just went through this crazy period of studying and then by the time i'm done i'm so burnt out on whatever it is i'm studying that i'm desperate to create stuff again well, I will say you have the longest term creative block process 
I think we've ever heard about on the show. <laughs> uh, it's a creative block strategy <laughs> marathon where you take a break from it's... your project for like a full year and buy multiple books well, and get into new programs yeah. and then come back. <laughs> so, I've, I, no, most people so give an the... answer like, yeah, I step away for like a day and like I get some fresh air. <laughs> well, this, okay. So to be fair, this is all happening. A lot of it's happening in my mind. I make it dramatic so that I truly feel like I'm capable of walking away from it. So you live a that year, is... you live a year in your mind stepping away in and then way. you come back. <laughs> In a way, in a, in a way, I very much, I go through the emotional turmoil. It's very much like a breakup. I let myself go through the emotional turmoil of giving up. I just don't tell anyone because it's very dramatic and I always end up, re, you know, reneging or whatever and going back and trying again. But I definitely take it as seriously as possible as if I'm like, I'm done. I'm out. I'm never doing this again. And then my brain doesn't realize like, oh, what if he's serious? And then it pulls me back in. So it doesn't it doesn't take a high year. I just but imagine I to a year like every time mind. you're like you're like trying to write a song and you can't think of a chord, you just like you go, you whisper your, your guitar and you're like, goodbye. And you set your guitar down and like emotional music comes Dude. and one tear falls and you like climb out the window yeah. and you're like I have a journey to go on, and then like you you well, come back dude. like at the end of the day, and you and you you you've like grown your beard out, and it, it it's a year I, has passed, and you pick it up, and you're like, hello again, my my old sweet friend. Well, I come back. What I what I come back with is my own rhyming dictionary. So I really think about it. Rotten I am yeah, doing yeah. this stuff. I really you you joke, but I really am. I I wasn't writing songs while writing the rhyming dictionary. You know, you can't do both. Yeah. So, I mean, it's you joke, but I am, yeah, no, that's amazing. it's totally. No, that's really cool. No, I, I love that. I love that you go through a study phase because I feel like uh, we have never heard that answer before. And I think it's um, like, I don't know, studying is really inspiring. And I think it does kind of counteract creative block to someone. I do yeah. feel so fortunate yeah. that you didn't get stumped in, the, in this interview. <laughs> and and you just like went yeah. to the phone like. And like you like you like walk away a single tear falls down we hear like distant sad music and then we're like no hey no come, hold on wait come back we can move on we can ask a different question you're like no I think this is a mini breakup stumped and you like walk away no yeah that's right yeah, yeah. so fun no that was, that was so fun that was so so fun yeah. um yeah I... are you yeah. I, I, I'll help you transition if you yeah, want. Yeah, I'm Would so, you like my transition? This is my, y'all, anybody <laughs> who's like listening, uh, this is my character trait now. I tried to work on it, but I'm terrible at segues. And I, I've Wait, this is the end of me? Wait, wait, I'll help you in dragging this out. Because I won't exist after this episode. I'll you be gone. You only exist within this, this is audio also... and within this Twitter space. Well, You're trapped yeah. in this Twitter space forever! Wow. <laughs> Please, please don't end this. Please. So, 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 so no, no, in the no. same way that Shane gets stumped, uh, kisses his guitar or his computer goodbye, and says farewell when he gets to creative block, uh, this is, it is time for me. us to break up with you, audience. Oh my God. Until the next time. Uh, I don't mwah, exist outside I give you a small no. kiss on the forehead. Oh and my we God, have to uh, end this particular creative block. It's don't, not you. Don't end me. It's me. Uh, but I won't, there will be no me. <laughs> this is so oh dramatic. Chew gum, I'm so sorry. Um, 
<laughs> and this is the end of our creative block. Uh, Shane, thanks yeah. for being a guest and sharing our story. And thanks to our listeners. Yeah. Follow us on Twitter yeah. at CRTV Block, where we ask for drawing prompts and questions to ask our guests. Huge thank you to our editor, Clements, for editing the podcast, and Marco for helping us produce the show. And shout out to, I think, the most people that we've had watch one of our Twitter spaces. We want to keep doing this every once in a while. I think it's a new, fresh way to change it up. And we thank you guys so much for hanging out and giving us your time, giving Shane, lending Shane your ears uh, and, yeah. and trusting that he'll give them back to you someday. Never. <laughs> ears on a necklace. I got a collection. Um, if, yeah, awesome. if you love our show, support us on Patreon. Becoming a patron gets you early access to interviews as well as bonus episode. Click the link in the description of this episode. Um, and, you know, just uh, consider interacting with our content. Uh, hit that subscribe button like comment comment all of these different things uh you don't have to have money to support us uh i've been your host v <laughs> and i was sean i read songs too <laughs> just like shane keep being creative and we'll see you next week bye, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>